That guy was a dick, that military guy. Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It's Sunday, June 20th, 2010. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination Episode 210. This is No Agenda. Celebrating fatherhood around the globe. And coming to you from the Hilltop Watchtower, Crackpot Command Center in Gitmo Nation West in the People's Republic of Southern California. In the morning... I'm Adam Curry. And northern Silicon Valley here. The trains are going by. I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. In the morning to you, John. In the morning to everybody out there. Everybody, all human resources of Gitmo Nation worldwide. All ships at sea. Yes, indeed. Particularly the ships at sea. And happy Father's Day to you. Yeah, it's another one of those bogus holidays we don't really celebrate. <laughs> you know, it's funny, uh, but still, I woke up this morning and I was like, I hope I get a message from my daughter. I would be so disappointed if she didn't at least say it, right? They, uh, if you don't make a big deal out of it, they'll tend to forget. Mm. I didn't make any deal out of it, and she uh, she twittered me. Oh, that, that's nice. Ooh, a Twitter. Yeah, well, that's a public sign of affection. I like that. That's nice. This uh, this uh, stream, by the way, on today's uh, noagendastream.com, apparently now banned in Ireland. Oh, really? Yep. Why? <laughs> Hold on a second. Let me call Ireland for a moment. <laughs> someone must, must know. Yeah, well, that's how we found out. Uh, someone in the... Uh, in the chat room said that uh, they can't get through to noagendastream.com uh, and they're in Ireland. So um, I'm presuming that, uh, that we've been filtered out. It's about time. Why, we, we don't, how would they even know we exist, let alone filter us? I mean, it was not a porn uh, unless what are you doing on Daily Source Code? <laughs> uh, let me see. We had Bobby Eden in the chat. No, that was during uh, No Agenda. No, we had her in the chat room on, on Source Code, too. But that, I don't think that's it. Was she somehow naked? No, no. Mm. Mm. Anyway, John, before we get started, um, I uh, owe uh, a number of people a huge apology, uh, you being one of them, as uh, on the last show I completely um, lost my shit and was projecting my own crap, and uh, so I apologize to you, I apologize to your kids. Because uh, they have a great dad, and uh, your kids, of course, are absolutely brilliantly smart. And I apologize to your wife, and I apologize to the listeners. Uh, I'm sorry. Well, if I might make a mention of something. Please. I just, it was kind of baffling to me. But I, I can kind of understand some of the other issues you have. But uh, to attack my kids was the baffling part because a you've met them both mm -hmm. and they are extremely well-mannered polite they're actually some of the best kids you could imagine anyone can have they never get in trouble they're self-supervising they're responsible everything you want in, in a kid is in these kids and uh to say that to to kind of condemn them uh i felt was vile to say the least and then to somehow, I also found it disturbing that you'd associate homeschooling with something negative since it kind of violates some of the principles of the show that we do. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it was a poor attempt at humor. That's, uh, I was trying to get myself off of the, the bad track I was going down, and so I turned that into terrorism. 
<laughs> Again, I lost my shit, and I'm really sorry, because of course I didn't mean that. There's also, by the way, a show etiquette that you violated, which is that when one of us gets boring and the other one calls them on it, you, you, you're supposed to stop. Yes. Well, I, I violated a number of etiquettes. All right, well, we'll let it slide. Are, are we good? We'll let it slide. <laughs> are we good? Yeah, we're good to go. All right, man. Okay. Um, so right off the bat, I have to tell you of some horrible news that took place in, uh, in California. Eh? And uh, a clear case of two to the head. Thursday afternoon, 28-year-old inventor Tyson Larson was killed in an explosion that ripped a hole in the roof and blew out the back doors of a Simi Valley building of his family's company, uh, Realm Industries. The guy was uh, working on um, water fuel technology. And uh, he had built a... Uh, he actually had investors. He had, Isn't this uh, supposed to go in the second half of the show? No, no. I, I think I should put it in the first half of the show because he was working with... Uh, well, some of the stuff that... You know, remember my uh, hydroxy booster that I had on the Jaguar with brown, brown gas? Creating um, hydrogen from uh, electrolysis. Right. The, the, the process that doesn't work. Well, well, I don't know. All I know is I got 30% fuel efficiency on the Jaguar. And yeah. so, so this, is, this is pretty dangerous stuff. I mean, all it takes is a good spark for it to, to blow up. And if you got, I guess if you're making enough of this stuff, and it's pretty simple to do. Uh, and that there's aerial pictures in this uh, report that's uh, linked in the show notes at noagendashow.com. The thing that is troubling, though... In this report, so two, so, oops, two people in the facility were uninjured. One person was killed in the blast, which blew a hole in the roof. Initially, three were thought to have been injured. Uh, it turns out that uh, um, Tyson Larson himself was uh, was killed by blunt force, which I find interesting. They, they're calling it blunt force. Would, would a blast be blunt force? Uh. I would never call it. I, if you get if you get blowed up, I yeah, don't see how that doesn't that's seem blunt like blunt force. force, does it? But here it is. By coincidence, mm. mm-hmm, the Simi Valley Police SWAT team was just down the street on a training exercise when the explosion occurred, and the officers were able to arrive on the scene within moments. <laughs> you know what? You know, you know that. Just- yeah, I know. This is a yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. Do you have a, co- a link to this story? Because you caught me completely off guard with this one. I can't contribute to anything. I can't. Yes, I do. You know, I, I, I mean, do what is this guy? This guy was doing what? He was he was uh, he was breaking water into oxygen and, and hydrogen yeah. f- with electricity yeah. to take and recombine it in a fuel cell yes, or, or 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 an engine that burns hydrogen. And then yes. for some reason, he accumulated so much hydrogen and oxygen in some container that the mixture blew up the whole house. Yeah, <laughs> blew up his uh, his his workshop. And yeah. he has like investors. Yes, he has um, $7 million. Um, no, let's see, there's also... Is it possible that the guy just blew himself up because he you know, didn't know what he was doing? <laughs> it's like, I took, se- well, I took $7 million and it's not working. I might as well blow myself up. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. All, I, the only thing I always find interesting is when, by coincidence, there's a SWAT team down the street 
Well, you know, in the later in the show when we start talking about SWAT teams, it turns out that this is not much of a coincidence. Yeah, yeah. I watched the show you told me to watch last All night. Right. So we the definitely show we're should talking talk about, about is Stossel's. Stossel is some is turned into a complete uh overt out and out maxed out libertarian. Now John John Stossel, um he was on I think WNBC in New York when I lived there. And he was always kind of the guy that did, like, the fluff pieces. He did... Um, he went to 2020. Right. And that's where he started being the guy who was going to stand up for the consumer. And, it was, and they were fluff pieces. They were these lightweight, you know, can you believe that they're yeah. charging <laughs> yeah. a nickel at this place and a dime across the street? Yeah, he, he reminds me of... A, what's, the, what's the guy at the New York Times who does, uh, who does all the, the Apple... Uh, or does all the reviews and stuff, the technology stuff? Pogue. Yeah, he reminds me of David Pogue. Exactly. At least back then he did. And now it's something completely different. Well, the Fox hired him. And then they relegated him to the weekends doing these specials with an audience, which is very unlike Fox. I mean, it's more like the Colbert Report. Well, and, whoa, 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 hold on. I mean, it's just, a, it's just a couple of bleachers with idiots off the street and a couple of shills. I mean, it's nothing like the Colbert audience. Okay, it's not it's a not, big, not, big audience they're like they're Colbert. Well, we, I, you never see the whole audience at Colbert. I don't know how big it is. It's not as big as Letterman, which apparently has the biggest studio right. audience. Anyway, the point is he's got this... Um, I don't know what the point of the audience is, to be honest about well, it, it. It's just to fill up the spots next to the shills that he has on the bleachers, because he has, he has people who are invited into the show, and, uh, and they don't get to sit on the panel, they just sit in the bleachers. So they need to fill it up with like some homeless people or whatever is there. So anyway, he uh, comes on with this libertarian stuff that is actually very compelling. I'm surprised Fox even allows it, because... Uh, they, he uh, in that you saw that special it was on the legalization of, of, drugs. <coughs> of drugs. But before yeah. we go to that story, let's finish with the guy who got blowed up. <laughs> okay, I, I I gave you the link, right? You saw it by now. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, explosion at California water fuels research company kills inventor. Inventor is a big word. I mean, this is this is not like some huge invention. I don't know what he was inventing. Other than the explosion was likely the result of an attempt to compress hydroxy gas. Yeah, that's the brown gas. That that's the stuff that I was making. And I, and on my Jaguar, I just had a very little a, a little installation, and I had to have a blowback tube in case some spark would come back from the engine. Highly unlikely, by the way, the way it was set up. But in in case something would blow back, then it would basically blow the top off of this uh, a blowback thing and wouldn't explode the actual canister. The stuff does work. I mean, it it it's it burns beautifully. Brown's gas it burns. I mean, it's hydrogen or a version of it. It's hydrogen and oxygen. Yeah, yeah. Well, it should burn, but you know, it takes more energy to make it than it produces. Unless this guy's got some. He's compressing Brown's gas. Yeah, maybe maybe that was the problem. Maybe that's not such a good idea. Well, it's going to heat up because all compression activity heats it up, so it just must have ignited. Maybe he made a bomb. Or maybe he, I mean, the obvious um, theory here is that he was on to something. He had, uh, he had people interested, and uh, they sent in the SWAT team to blow him up. That's the part I don't like. That is the part that just, you know, yeah, sure, shit happens. People are messing around with... Uh, what are they called Joe Joe tubes and all kinds of stuff all the time, 
which is all highly explosive, but then to have a SWAT team nearby, oh, it's just one of those little uh, coincidental things. Coincidence? I think not! Uh, all right. Well, the thing is, when we, when I, one of the themes for today's show is the legalization of drugs. Sure. But before we go there, can yes. I uh, bring something, a clip in that might be more entertaining? Yeah, yeah. Do you want to do executive producer if we have one, or do you want to? Oh, yeah, do- we do, actually. Yeah. We have an executive producer. Nice. Where is he? I'm glad we do. Uh, you know, I opened the spreadsheet a second ago. Uh, great. Anyway, hang on a second. Yeah, no problem. I, I'm, I'm bummed about spreadsheets. I appreciate the work that uh, Eric the Shield does, but. Just Excel by itself, just starting that whole program up. My, I don't my, like... My computer groans. Going, you know, uh, the other thing is that... that well, I think I've said this before. Yeah, people use it for the craziest shit. They use it for everything. So our executive producer is Michael Fessig in Newmanstown, Newman, Newmanstown, PA. $200, uh, executive producer, that's all we got. And uh, no comment. Okay, well, we appreciate that, and I'd like to make mention of uh, Dave Bryan, who uh, throws his hat into the ring uh, for PR associate status. Uh, Not quite there yet, but certainly an honorable mention for his new No Agenda producer project, NoAgendaEntertainment.com. It features a collection of links to all forms of multimedia related to No Agenda, books, videos, movies, and audio, Uh, also guest appearances... Uh, which uh, I hope would also include your uh, CNBC uh, appearances in the future, John, if you ever get invited back. Yeah, it seems unlikely. <laughs> and, uh, and all other we ways... We you won't. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I, that was MSNBC. Uh, same thing. All other uh, ways that No Agenda shows up in our real world. Uh, com. I, I think it's, it's a beautiful looking site. It's uh, it's stunning. It, it makes us look like a like a big entertainment conglomerate. We should sell now <laughs> while we're ahead of the game. All right, Michael Fessig, Fessig, right? Fessig, yeah. Fessig, we uh, completely appreciate your support, and as you know, as uh, executive producer of No Agenda, um, you can put this on your resume. It is an actual credit, and uh, it has been known to be able to get you gigs, and in some cases, even get you laid. A little greasy finger today. Uh, go out and propagate Our the formula. formula. Is this? We go out, we hit people in the mouth. Say it with me now. Come on, human resources. Shut up, Steve! Oh, before I forget, John, before we get into drugs, (laughs) I never thought I'd say that with you. Um, I went to see Toy Story 3 yesterday. Oh, well now, okay, let me just, uh, before you say anything, here's what I heard. It's great. I saw it in 3D, against my better judgment, as you know. Um... You know, this is one of those uh, Mickey's deals where she has, uh, through the Screen Actors Guild, we get to go to the Directors Guild of America screening. So there's, so it's really nice and pristine and the way you should see it. The glasses suck. Which, which, which uh, kind of glasses did you was, was this the polarizers or was this the notch filters? You see, I don't know. Uh, I, how, how can well, I tell? Well, you know the ones that you... Okay. 
Yeah, you, first of all, I wear glasses, so it's always shitty when you have to put the glasses over your glasses. That's complicated. They're, they're supposed to be kind of made for it. Or were they heavy, yes, thick lenses? Thick, yes, thick. Thick That's lenses. That's the notch filter. Yeah, I think, yeah, I would have to agree. Um, so, now I still think it's like looking through a Viewmaster, which a lot of... It, it has that, no, that quality because of the, uh, the darkness, I think. It's dark. The image is dark. Um, however, I will say, in this particular case, very, very functional. The 3D was extremely functional for this type of animated movie. Um, and I have to say, I laughed. I really liked the movie. It was a, it's a great story. Um, and, of course, like all good kid movies, it has a lot of adult jokes in there, particularly about uh, Barbie and Malibu Ken. Um, and it was funny. I, I enjoyed it from beginning to end, although when... Uh, when the when the when the scene gets a little bit darker, then the glasses start to give you a headache, and you see kind of spots, and it's weird. But when mm-hmm. it's when it's really all lit up, and uh, I mean, it's it. I have to say, it was it was very functional. Uh, I'm not I, as you know, I'm not a big 3D fan, and I didn't have any depth perception problems afterwards, as far as I can tell, except the fact that I keep hitting the wrong jingles this morning. It could be related. <laughs> So, okay, you know, you were, the last week, uh, because we, the show was so ruined by a long diatribe, you didn't get to ta- tell us about your experience in San Diego, which I think is necessary to the, to, to the audience. Oh, yeah, you're right. So, um, uh, I had been ill for uh, four or five days, and I was finally feeling a little bit better, and, uh, and, I, and Mickey and I decided to go on a road trip to San Diego just to go, just to get out of the house and drive and stay somewhere and, you know, catch and, some and fresh let me air. interrupt and then say that Mickey actually talked to me about this beforehand to, so I could have some input yeah. because she wanted to find, you know, cause she's not from California and I, I confirmed what she was thinking, which was to go to the Hotel Del Coronado, which is one of the most spectacular pieces of architecture on the west coast and then because i went there with my wife some time ago we saw the haunted room and we did all the stuff there and it was it was uh it was a little run down but it was a good experience yes well first of all i think on that phone conversation you discussed with her how to poison me with bad oysters <laughs> don't lie <laughs> She I heard. was talking about poisoning you, and I said, probably the best way is with bad oysters. Yes, <laughs> see? <laughs> right, so Hotel del Coronado. Give it, she, look, I, I'm only here for the hints and tips. That's right. <laughs> Which is why she called you. And she had in, indeed also found Hotel del Coronado. So we drive down. Uh, by the way, if you, uh, for those of you in California, there's a toll road now, the 73 off the 405 which is four four bucks and seventy five cents is well worth it. It's just phenomenal. It's like twenty lanes and there's no one on it, and you just cruise through the through the mountains is great or through the hills, I should say. So uh, we get there, and uh, I I don't I didn't I didn't think Hotel de Coronado was run down. I, it looks like they might have done some renovation. Actually, it, it looked really nice. It's one of these. Uh, uh, was it built in the late 1800s? You can almost feel the ladies with parasols walking around. I mean, it has a real good vibe. It's right on the beach. And, um, but uh, at, at check-in, we already noticed the biggest problem is that they have brought in just a slew of low-wage nincompoops to run this thing. And this is a big complex. I don't know how many rooms they have, but it's big. And they've got, you know, the new buildings off to the side, and they've got... Uh, 
private uh, little villas, and then of course the big house. And you know, it's just they got like millennials running the running the show, and I have to say, a lot of Mexicans. Now, of course, it's close to Mexico, um, but just the service was atrocious. You know, the keys were wrong, and it's a long walk back to back to the lobby. I hate that. Oh boy, do I hate that! And it was just because of the system. They only have one card maker, and it's funny because I came back, and another guy's keys were wrong as well because he basically had my keys because. You know, if someone else hits the button on their terminal, but yet someone else puts their card in first, you get the wrong key card. Stupid. And, um, you know, so that was you know, like, all right. And then the bags didn't show up. And, I, and you know, we called. And I had to go back. all the, and, to the, to the, and they were sitting there. They're just sitting there. Ready to be stolen. Yeah. Well, just, well, not being brought to my room. So, yeah, this is not a cheap room. Like 400 bucks a night. It's not that cheap. was too high. It's ridiculous. As that was the cheapest room available. It's ridiculous. Why are these hotel rooms all over the country so expensive? And we looked online, and online it was like, oh, here's a great deal, $700. And like, no, 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 no. This is bullshit. Well, you must have had a big, giant suite then. No. No, it was just a normal room mm-hmm. uh, with a little balcony. That, the ba- balcony Vegas. was nice. A, a Vegas room, you would have had a suite for that kind of money. Um. So anyways, in, in Reno, you go with that kind of money, you get a floor. Mm. So um, here's the thing that's uh, that's really weird. So we had dinner now. It was a Monday night. So the Ocean 1500 restaurant uh, is closed on Monday night. So we had to, you know, there's a restaurant right next door. And they're both restaurants run by the hotel. Food, very marginal. You know, it's okay. Um uh, service atrocious. You know, th- I love it when uh, when someone just you know like some guy comes out of the kitchen. He's basically still wearing his his cook's outfit, and he just like, oh, here's your food. Yeah, you, know, you know what I mean. And they're just kind of like, oh, like they're reaching all the way past me to put it. You know, like completely no etiquette at all. But um, two things: one, uh, we felt the earthquake, which was later registered at five point seven on the bogus scale, whatever it is these days, uh, which was exactly on the same meridian as. Uh, as San Diego, and that was weird because we were sitting outside, and it was really like a a real slow moving back and forth, and that was uh, probably the most intense earthquake uh, I've ever felt. Yeah, it's a classic uh, Southern California style earthquake. Yeah, real, I've, I've had been down there for two of them. Yeah, a real roller. Yeah, they roll. It's kind of like a, it's very pleasant actually. But here's the problem: so you have this beautiful hotel on this beautiful beach, which, by the way, is very special because it has gold flakes, which is mica, apparently. That uh, all that is along in the, the coast. Sand. If you go down to, to Baja California, all the beaches uh, down through Ensenada are all uh, flecked with gold. So it's beautiful. I mean, it's just yeah, it's 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 that you just feel like you're in a gold mine, literally. Were it not for the fact that this beach is exactly on the approach path for the naval base there. And I kid you not, from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., and actually there was one, the the last straggler around 10 p.m., they are flying over the beach at a frequency of one flight every three minutes. And it is Black Hawk helicopters, um, big 737, 767s unmarked, I might add, completely white. These must have been the rendition flights. Um, Lear jets, uh, all kinds of civilian aircraft. Now this is going. This is going into what airport? No, it's going into the naval base. There's a, there's a naval Why base. Why is there so much activity at the San well, Diego this, naval well, base? Well, this is the question. Now, I I saw the Lear jet did about twenty go around, so they were clearly practicing approaches. But 
all of these helicopters. I mean, just every three minutes, and helicopters, you know, these Blackhawks, they're loud, and they come over at like seven, 800 feet over the beach, and every single, th- every three minutes, and then there was a huge aircraft carrier right in front of the hotel, and every hour or so, an F-16 would take off, or something equivalent to that, and it completely ruined it. The whole thing is ruined, and I said this to this dorky hotel staff, I said, you know, what's up with that? Said, oh, yeah, you know, they're really busy. So what are they doing? Uh, I don't know. And, of course, I crack a joke. I say, oh, you know, they're flying all the drugs in from Mexico. And the guy says, no, 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 it's military. I said, yeah, that's my point, dude. <laughs> he, did, he didn't get the joke. Not a, not a listener. It's probably not a joke. Yeah. Uh, but it was just, it's just nonstop, John, nonstop. I have no idea what they're doing. I mean, so I, I could tell one training exercise, the Learjet doing the approaches, but all the other ones, I have no idea. And it was from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. every three minutes. And, you know, the people are like, oh, I don't hear it anymore. Yeah, well, I'm here for my rest and for, my, for peace. And, and, and I can't, you've stayed there. This wasn't taking place. When were you there? How long ago? Were we at yeah, war? It was a decade. I don't know. Ten yeah. years ago, five years ago. I'm well, we, sure. were, we were at war then. So no, it was before the war then. It was before 9-11. Oh, okay. And there was nothing going on. Especially not something every three minutes. Unbelievable activity. Especially helicopters. Those things are, those are the most annoying products flying around. They shouldn't even be, why are they they even there? I don't know, man. And I don't know what they're doing. Is it a training place where everybody has to keep, I mean, is is San Diego a training facility? Seems odd. Well, I know that when you... I mean, there's a, there's, there's, okay, never mind. Well, when you drive down, you pass by this huge naval base, which is all fenced off. Uh, with big radar installations, and that's what they're landing on. The, the, and, and the approach, you can, you can literally stand on the beach and you can see them. Well, you can't actually see the landing strip, but you can see them, the whole glide path, and they land. And, yeah. and, but the crazy thing is all these big unmarked jets, completely white, not even an Air Force. Uh, they, they did have a Was tail number. Dr- uh, tail had, numbers? Had a, yeah, unreadable. So not on the tail, but l- like right uh, above the engine. Uh, for, uh, unreadable with the naked eye, but no military markings, but completely white, filled with, I'm sure, Gitmo passengers. I yeah, I had, uh, if you remember, I was at the Seattle once, and a, and, a, and a big, giant 747 came in that was un, that was unpainted, un, white. Yeah, that was a Chin- and, Chinese Air. Uh, and it turned out to be a Chinese, uh, China Air, and they're just too cheap. Now, these, def- the these definitely had N markings. But... Oh really? Well, yeah. but the thing is, is I you couldn't see the. I had a, I have a camera that I had with me at the time. It has a, like a twenty x zoom on it, and I actually zoomed in on the, on the tail number. So you should carry. A, what I'm saying is, you should have a camera with a big zoom lens on it. And you can. We had it, but we didn't have it at dinner uh, hmm. when it really got annoying. Miramar Marine Base is what I'm reading in the chat room. Does that make sense? Miramar Miramar Marine Base. Yeah. I I don't know. Maybe sounds right. Anyway, it ruined it. I think the hotel, the hotel was ruined. So, and then, so the Marines are just going in and they're going crazy over yeah. there for something. And to add insult to injury, someone had already ch- actually reserved and checked into the haunted room, so we couldn't check it out. Someone had requested it specifically, so uh, we couldn't go in. I don't know why anyone would want to sleep in a room that's no, supposed no, to be haunted. No, apparently people uh, reserve it specifically. They want to stay in the haunted room. Because <laughs> we went up there and said, hey, can we see the haunted room? And then people want to, shh, shh, be quiet. Go sit over there. We'll come over in a minute. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> it's like, well, we can't show you because someone's checked into it right now. But Ixnay on the haunted hay. It's a, it's a feature. Mm. Then they play it well. 
Yeah, I guess. So that sucked. It didn't suck because at the end of the day, it was nice to get out. We had a nice drive, um, and it it was okay. But uh, the noise was it just ruined it completely. Ruined it. Not your fault, but uh, yeah. Well, buyer be warned. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the last time I recommend that place. <laughs> yeah. Now I don't know what to tell you. Just keep driving. <laughs> Go down to Mexico, man. So here's a disturbing story talking about uh, Mexicans, uh, or in this case, Hispanics, which is more broad-based. Did you get this? Did anyone send you this this vote system? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This this actually showed up last week. This is uh, the New York um, Township, isn't that it? Court-ordered election allowed the residents of one New York town to flip the lever six times for one candidate and produced a Hispanic winner. Could expand to other towns where minorities complain that their voices aren't being heard. By the way, this is Port Chester, which is, uh, isn't that near Westchester? I mean, isn't this kind of up there in uh, hedge fund land? Port Chester, uh, I didn't know there was know, a lot of... It might be, it sounds like it is. It's up near uh, Rye and I, all that? I'd have to open up Google Maps to so, see. So it. the way I understood this idea is that um, the court ordered a change in the electoral process because there is such a minority, the Hispanic population is in such a minority, and, for, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that it, it, were Hispanics allowed to, to, to flip the no, lever six times? everybody could do this. Everybody. Every, so everybody can flip the lever six times, uh, thereby somehow, through some crazy math, making it more fair to everybody. I don't get it. I mean, if, if, what difference is it? Don't you just divide everything by six? Doesn't it equal the same thing? Well, no. If you have a, if you have a slate of ten people and one of them is a, a minority that, let's say, nobody likes right. except the minorities. Right. And, and the minorities, instead of voting for the slate, you know, say, say there's 10 people on the slate and you're supposed to, and you can vote for six of them because they're going to be, it's going to be the city council. Uh, so you would normally take the ballot and you'd vote for the six people or, or just none of them or whatever you wanted to one at a time. And then the top vote getters would be the guys in. But then they've decided that it's fair to give you six votes. Because you actually are voting six times, but you but it's never been thought you could vote for the same person six times. <laughs> that's what I would do. I mean, that's so obvious. Of course, that's what you would do, especially if you're a minority. Let's say some some uh, group in some you know essentially gets your guy in. Yeah. Um, and it's it may be disproportional. I mean, I think that's the problem is that you have uh, you know six candidates and uh, you have a, a pretty you know a makeup of the, of a community of, of let's say six different ethnic groups. And one group that just has very few people, and, and you have a candidate that they all vote for six times. I mean, the whole thing is, is asking for trouble. And apparently uh, it worked, though, right? Well, I got the guy in. Yeah. Luis, Luis Marino? Yeah, Peruvian immigrant. Mm. Making Don't, him Port Chester's first Hispanic trustee. You make it sound like a bad thing. It is a bad thing. <laughs> Well, this this is in a way, it's kind of like uh, it's not like I'm giving you know, give me a you know a box of votes. I have a vote. I can vote for this guy, or that guy. If I like Marino, I vote for him. I don't vote for him six times. It's like stuff in the ballot box. What's the difference? This is in a way, it kind of falls in in line with the uh, with the whole filibuster thing, which of course is always a uh, a point of contention. 
where in so of course we have a republic but in the democratic process you know 50 plus one should win the vote but because minorities need to be heard and i heard this explained on some it was probably on c-span um of course the the senate could change this whenever they wanted to but they don't because they use it to their advantage when they're at a disadvantage um so that's why you have to have the 60 votes but it's exactly for kind of the same reason is to give the smaller so that so that the the majority doesn't always win that the minority has some kind of fighting chance but when it, and how did they come up with six? I mean, it just, is that based upon the population? Is no, it, I think it was based on the uh, on the ballot. Hmm. There apparently were oh, okay. you know right. you were going to vote six times you know in this unit. It's like pick six. You know, you've you've seen this on ballots. It says you know candidates for I guess some trusteeship. You know, vote for six. So right. you vote for six people, but you right. don't vote for one person six times. I mean that that that's weird. Cumulative voting. It's yeah, called. and that's going to, you watch it catch on. Yeah, no, I, I, I bet. Oh, yeah. But it'll be, all of a sudden, it'll be, you can, you know, you're just going to get, here's, a, here's the way it's going to go, or it could. Yeah, you got it. You got to, you divide your public up with a 25% this group and 40% that group and, and 10% of this small group or 5%. And you say, well, you know, it's unfair to these 5%, this little group. Let's give them uh, to make everything even because yeah. we can't, you know. It's to, unfair. We, it's so unfair. It's unfair to them that you have 40%, let's say, of the population white and let's say uh, 1% of the population uh, Arabic. So let's give every one of those Ar- Arabic people 40 votes and that evens things out. And what could be more fair than that? It's not fair. No, it's totally fair. These people now have the voice that's equal to that of the white majority. Isn't that so just... Actually, it's not even a white majority. They don't even have... Let's say this, in California, it'll be 55% Hispanic. Yeah, really? really? I mean, we're in the minority. we got to get this to go through. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we need it quickly. This is actually a brilliant idea. We need this. <laughs> but, I mean, that's essentially the way what it sounds like to me. It's a scam, uh, you know, so everyone's happy. I mean, this is bullshit. Yeah, it's... Uh... Yeah, I but think it just right has a, it just seems like something that there's there's obviously a really good argument behind it, a logical debatable argument that is probably very compelling. Yeah, if you're in the minority, well, it could happen to anybody. And meanwhile, um a Gitmo Nation lowlands still doesn't have a government as far as I know. They're still they're still fighting about the coalition. Oh, is it, what what's taking them so long? Well, Geert Wilders is the is the problem, of course. I mean, you had the uh, the right leaning party with thirty one uh, percent of the vote, the left leaning party with thirty percent of the vote, and Geert Wilders, which of course would be considered, I guess, extreme right, with twenty five or twenty six percent of the vote, and no one wants to work together. Mm. And uh, and then the, the the Christian Democrats are kind of the wild card who've been running the country for the past eight years. And they, although they lost uh, like half of their uh, uh, possible parliamentary seats, they still have you know like twenty twenty percent of the vote, and you know, and they don't want to work with anybody. And so the country is is basically rudderless right now. It's probably never done so well. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter because no one cares. I look at the newspapers every day online, and it's all World Cup. Everyone's comp- it's all Vuvuzela. 
That's all anyone can talk about is, oh, turn off the horns. Oh, the horns are bothering me. What should be bothering you is the fact that your government robbed you blind, is going to make you work uh, longer, slave, and is taking away all of your benefits to pay off the bankers. That's what should be worrying you. No. Hey, we won against Japan. Big deal. Do, pe- do people not realize that, or- that all organized sports are, are rigged? <laughs> I mean, let's be honest about it. I mean, come on. There's so much money. You can't tell me that with all the money that's rolling around in, in, in uh, World Cup soccer that it's not fixed. I mean, the guy, the, the, was the German guy who resigned just before the, the 2010 yeah, Cup started? Yeah, and then there's a rigged game with the United States and Slovenia where yeah. they didn't give him a goal for some unknown reason, and they actually fired the ref after the fact, but they still didn't get the goal. It's not as though, oh, this ref, this ref is corrupted, let's fire him and give them the goal. No. So there's obviously, I mean, if you think about it, you have, especially in Africa, where one time when, when I was in uh, uh, Kenya, the we were going through Kenya, which is a horrible place. Yeah, uh, and uh, the airport, especially. I mean, there was there were uh, literally soldiers in the terminal because they had to stop for refueling or something. In in uh, oh yeah, Nairobi. oh yeah, sure. So they stopped in Nairobi. Everybody got out of the plane. Somebody stole my. Uh, I left a, some audio cassettes. This was a while ago when I was still flying around with audio cassettes. Somebody stole them. And I pointed this out, and they finally caught the guy or something before we took off. But the, I got a lecture from the, you know, one of these audio cassettes is like a worth a month's salary to these people. You have to be <laughs> so more what? careful with your stuff. Don't steal my shit. And then... Uh, uh, but meanwhile, in the in the terminal, the the bunch of soldiers from the from the army were in there shaking down the, the <laughs> some of the people that were on the plane. Of course, shaking them down. They're standing around. One week, just looked and said, "We got to get back on this plane." This group of, of soldiers it was like kind of they they surround somebody with you know not with dr- guns drawn, but carrying a bunch of arms. Intimidating. And yeah, shake them down. They say, "You, we need some money from you." You know, so so why? It's like, what are you taking money? from me for they just basically emptied the guy's wallet let me give let me give you a quick rundown here uh and actually i could go back to 95 three top uk soccer players i'll just say soccer were charged with taking bribes to rig results between 91 and 95 and this uh, included uh the zimbabwe goal goalie john fashanu aston villa striker hans sagers the goalie is the guy they, of course well of course he's the guy then uh, we have... Uh, That's two- the money position. You want to make money in soccer, become, become a goalie, goalie and just sell out. 2005 in Germany, a 2 million euro match-fixing scandal was uncovered. Uh, that was the ref, who, who later confessed to fixing and betting on matches. Um, numerous players, coaches, and officials were accused of involvement with an organized crime group in the scheme, which came on the eve of Germany uh, playing host to the 2006 World Cup. In 2005 in Brazil, well, of course, Brazil, football match-fixing was denounced uh, because it was so rampant. 2008 in Portugal, uh, Porto President Jorge Nuno Pinto da Costa stood trial for allegedly bribing a ref before the Portuguese Premier League match. May 2010, the head of the Eng- this is just a few months ago, the head of the English Football Association, Lord Treisman, resigned his post, citing he thought that the World Cup matches were in danger of being fixed. Link in the show notes of that story. And of course, you know, we just might want to point out that the guys who own some of the uh, some of the, the 
the clubs, which of course send their national players uh, to these uh, World Cup games, are r- owned by Russians, uh, oil oligarchs. I mean, come on. And then we all just sit there and say, yay, good match, guys. Give me a break. Yeah, there's been two or three incidents in this World Cup already that are dubious. And it, a lot of them involve the goalie. He would normally made that play. Oh, we can't I can't believe it. Let the goal go in. <laughs> yeah. He went left when he should have went right. He's never done that before. You had an interesting thing about, because, uh, of course, the Lakers won the, uh, uh, what do you call that? The league, the NBA, the NBA championship. championships, and uh, we were having dinner uh, at the Euro Trash restaurant on Sunset Le Petit Four, and uh, it, and this town goes crazy. And, and and what's interesting is it's like Bentleys, Rolls Royces, Jaguars, um, uh, on fire, Aston Martin. No, 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 not on Sunset with flags, you know, in their windows, and everyone's honking, everyone's going, yeah, Lakers won, Lakers won. Uh, but then you see what happens in downtown L.A., and it, it baffles me. When the, when the Lakers win, people go and cause fires and stomp on cars. I don't get it. You saw that video, yeah, right? Yeah, the video was... By the way, the reporting in, in, on Los Angeles news media was exactly the opposite. It was, well, it was a really calm night. Nothing happened. It was, uh, you know, the police did a good job. It was, it was pandemonium. Pandemonium. What is yeah, the that? Videos. The videos on the blog for people who want to look it up. It was. Uh, it's just a bunch of punks that don't even. They, yeah, these are Laker fans. These people don't never even been to a game. They don't even know what basketball is. They just. It's an opportunity to wreck the place. I think that we're overdue. To be honest about it, and I think everyone out there should be concerned about this for some serious rioting in this country. It's a cyclical thing. It happens. It happens on a on a you know a pretty routine basis, and Los Angeles is rife. It's yeah. ready to go. Yeah, I, it is. I think it's the the next Detroit, um, which happened you know in the late sixties. You know, in some of these you know some of these uh, ghettoized areas, and Los Angeles has got all the potential in the world to just go up in flames. In fact, it did during the Rodney King thing, which is just the tip of the iceberg for the kind of pent-up hostility that exists down in Los Angeles. And a friend of mine had a photo studio, knew everybody you know, in one part of town where you know, he knew all the neighbors, everybody was friendly, and they burnt the th- his place to the ground. And uh, it's just, you know, it's a bad scene. And it's gonna, and something's gonna happen. I mean, if they, if they go crazy like this over the Lakers winning, yeah, I know. <laughs> Imagine if they had lost. <laughs> well, I, and when I look at the video, I just see a bunch of people who are completely frustrated about life or something, just life in general, or maybe being slaves or whatever it is. And but, and by the way, there were if you that video. It, the, that's most of the, the the people were young adults. They were mostly uh, Hispanic or actually uh, Mexicans or Latinos. Let's say that's what a better word. And there was a bunch of Mexican flags being flown all over the place in celebration of them kicking the crap out of some you know junction box owned by AT and T. I mean, it just seems. You know, I'm telling you, this is going to be a, a nasty situation. Well, the same, the same thing happened. I think Mexico won a game in the World Cup, and uh, same thing. Uh, Mexican flags out on the street, people causing a ruckus and breaking shit and kicking bo- mailboxes and junction boxes. and It's weird, and it, I think it's just pent-up anger and frustration, and then they get some kind of 
somehow they think they have a free pass and you know they celebrating well, they and, and what they do have a free pass <laughs> nobody none of those guys ever get arrested that's true in fact the, the report literally said no one was arrested yeah you're right. So it's a free pass. I mean, if you're a part of this group, uh, you can look at it's called the, the posting is called Idiotic Lakers Fanatics Riot in L.A. Uh, if you're part of this group and you know you can do this, it's a good it's, it's as insofar as parties are concerned. You know, this is one heck of a party. It sounds like it looks like, a, you know, if you're not accidentally targeted and beating the crap out of you, if you're part of the group, it looks like you're having a lot of fun. You know, just busting windows, wrecking the place. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, and you don't get, there's no consequence. Nobody does anything about it. And, uh, hey, just look for the next opportunity. I mean, I just, you know, if they would do something, they'd, L.A. is, I don't know what their problem is down there, but it's a terrible place. So what is the cycle, uh, John? What is the, how many years are we at? When were the... Uh... There's a 20 and a 40-year cycle for rioting. And uh, <laughs> this is 40... documented somewhere? You can look at the, the big riots, but the, the last big riots were in the late 60s. No, 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 we're wait over, a minute. We we're have, overdue. We're at 50, we're at the really great big monster riots were at the 50-year mark. This is like this the Yellowstone cycle. We're overdue. So we had the Watts riots, and then we had the Rodney King riot. You're saying that wasn't big? The Rodney King riot may have qualified as the as the riot in the cycle, but that was long enough ago. Then that cycle might be shorter. If whatever the case is, there's a riot. There's a riot. Do. It seems to me there's it's a riot due. waiting there's, to happen. There's a riot a coming. A big one. I, gotta, I really got to get me that generator. That along with the space storms, we're going to be without power and fucked. At least I'm yeah, up here on the, up on the hill. You won't be able to go down. No, that's good because I can roll shit down onto people. No one can yeah. come up. I, so I can boiling oil, uh, you know, all kinds yeah, no, of stuff. It's better to be up in the hills there. I think that area that you're in is probably very immune, safe. immune to the... Uh, Riots, unless you know they just take over the whole place and kill everyone. Yeah, well, I got John Legend as a neighbor. He can just shred his guitar. You can turn the place into a riot party house. <laughs> no, I'm very happy I'm up here. I can see him walking out with your coffee machine now. <laughs> hey, hey, I got it, man. I got it. Meanwhile, uh, if you want to talk about uh, Mexicans. First today from the Pinal County Sheriff asking President Obama to send troops. Sheriff Paul Babiu says Mexican drug cartels now control parts of Arizona all the way up to Metro Phoenix. ABC 15's Mariela Resendez has his plea. Illegible uh, 9-11. A 911 distress call from two men shot in what investigators say is part of an ongoing battle between Mexican drug cartels and what is now known as the smuggling corridor. Drug cartels control this area. And this is unacceptable. This is the sheriff. And local law enforcement cannot handle and stop this on our own. Pinal County Sheriff Paul Babu says drug violence is far past the border. Spilling into the communities, hiking areas now have warning signs posted where military armed drug cartels are frequently photographed making drug deliveries to vehicles on Highway 8. We are outgunned, we are outmanned, and we don't have the resources here locally for us to fight this. Five weeks ago, a Pinal County deputy was ambushed and shot as he tracked six drug smuggling suspects. Several times, the caller told operators to look for him where the sheriff had been shot. Some of the information he gave had not been released. Sheriff Babu says the issue is too much for local law enforcement. What is needed truly is we're looking at 3,000 soldiers alone for Arizona. In Pinal County, Mary Ellen Resendez, ABC 15 News. All right, nice.
It's an invasion. Yeah, it is. <laughs> they're they're running Arizona. <laughs> I would. I'm waiting for them to retake the Alamo. What happened at the Alamo? I don't know this history at all. Yeah, I'm not going to explain it. The Alamo is just a symbolic place in Texas that that went back and forth between uh, the the uh, the uh, Mexico, Mexico, the nation, and the United States. We're, tr- we're trying to we're trying to we we Texas was like an independent operation, and then the United States wanted to get a hold of it, but then the Mexicans wanted to get a hold of it. The Mexicans took it at one point. And they took the Alamo, and then we took it back. And you know, I, I'd have to reread the whole thing because it sounds it, it is confusing. A, and I don't have it on the top of my head because it's just you know I just remember the Alamo. But yeah, that's, that's right. You're supposed to remember the I Alamo. Remember that's all I know. Just Alamo. remember the Alamo. I remember. I've been to the Alamo too. Yeah, and you don't remember a thing, do you? <laughs> no, I do. It's a very small place. I thought it was bigger. Yeah, but you don't know what it was about. This is amazing. <laughs> no, I know what it was about. It was about the, the border war between the United States and Mexico and who's going to end up with, with the ownership, ownership of Texas. Okay, so we got Texas, and, and now they're taking Arizona. Yeah, well, they're going to take, they, they, they'd like to get New Mexico, Arizona, California, and Texas back. And they, you know, they apparently have already got the Hotel Del Coronado, <laughs> but that's as far as they've gone. <laughs> they, they have taken over the haunted room. So this show that Stossel did, and uh, you texted me, and so I watched it last night. Uh, and I have to say there were some gross inaccuracies when it came to Amsterdam. I was like, oh, brother, this is a bunch of dickhead Americans thinking they know how it works in Amsterdam. I agree. Completely I, I Amsterdam- inaccurate. And the worst part about it was, was, the, was the propaganda that came out of Fox, namely uh, O'Reilly and Hannity, who, who apparently had gotten into, uh, uh, had Stossel on, and they got into an argument. And Stossel, of course, is not a... Uh, a guy with a lot of stats at his, you know, beck and call. Well, so he had he was, some stats. He had some charts, which I found. He had a couple of weenie charts. Quite unbelievable, people. these charts. Yeah, the charts were ridiculous. But, I mean, if those charts are right, which the Harvard guy says they are, then it, it indicates that everything we're told is a bunch of bull crap. I mean, he, so the thing that, that got me is he literally was saying um, the percentage between people who try, and there were two specific examples, crack and heroin, that the people who try it, and he had a chart, it was like 8 million people tried it, and, you know, like 80,000 actually got hooked. I don't believe that. I no, mean, it was like three, it was, I think the number was 300,000. Okay. Well, but, but, but it was a big d- differential. Well, the, the Harvard guy says it's true too. And maybe it's because in the, in the Harvard guy, I and mean, I have the clip of it, he says that, you know, that we're just being brainwashed with a bunch of phony baloney statistics. And this may be the reason that you uh, don't believe the, that stat. Which, uh, which clip is that? Well, I, I have them in the order I want them played. All right, let's do it. Yeah, and you can interrupt because these, this is a long clips. Okay. But this is the first one is, I'll set it up, Stossel, it comes off of talking to Hannity and then brings on this Harvard guy to straighten out some of the bull crap that Hannity throws at him. They want in their lives. The problem is when as long as we don't hurt somebody else. It's predictable. It's a hundred percent certainty. Crack addicts will kill to get more. That, that, by the way, made me laugh. Crack addicts will kill. Yeah, you take some crack, you go kill someone. Yeah, I mean, and a hundred percent, the science is in. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and he he criticizes the uh, climate science guys. That's the big fear, and his arguments make sense to lots of people. Drugs are just different than alcohol. So let me ask Harvard economist and libertarian Jeffrey Myron, 
What about his claims? A hundred percent. The crack addict will kill. The claims that he was making, the claims that other drug warriors make, are just such grotesque. This is the Harvard guy, right? Yeah. Okay. Exaggeration of the facts. It's hard to believe anybody can say them out loud. There are no data that support anything like that. Of course, some of the claims. I love a Harvard guy that says there are no data. He makes a couple of interesting uh, flubs <laughs> with his uh, language. I mean, I'm no linguist, but you know, I heard I was like, "What? There are no data to back up this." Well, the once- use of "are no data" and "is no data" is actually debatable. Oh, really? Because it depends on whether you, where data refers to a plural or a singular. And I've heard that people try to do that usage before, but it's 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 awkward and it, probably it should fe- not be executed. It feels bad. That's true. In a while, but of course, they occur for alcohol as well as for the illegal drugs. They're basically just making up facts. They're cherry-picking selective logic. Oh, I thought you were saying something. No. All right. The crack addict will kill to get more crack. (laughs) Crack has been out there for 25 years. It's available in every city. Uh, By the way, crack was uh, introduced by the United States government. That's pretty well documented. That was was brought in by the CIA. The CIA uh, literally sold it to the drug dealers. What was the guy's name again? Ah, he was a yeah. That guy, that guy in Baltimore, that character. Which one are you talking about? No, this was the guy that uh, that actually blew the lid off of everything to uh, Gary Weaver. That got him killed. Yeah, yeah, no, because this is what Gary Weaver had uncovered, uh, and he was a journalist for the San Jose Mercury News. I want to say. I don't know, but you're not talking about Gary Weaver, the guy that got the, whose wife and kid got. No, killed I'm not Gary Weaver. I'm sorry. Uh, name. Uh, who's the journalist? That's okay, don't worry. I don't know. You can you can blog, you can Google it while we're listening. Let me. Uh, did you, by the way, notice in the stall? So I don't have the clip of this, but there's some kid, some young guy came out and said, "Well, what about the CIA smuggling?" Yeah, I know, I and it was like no answer. <laughs> I know it was like so. Uh, what about the CIA uh, selling drugs uh, and and running everything from Afghanistan? And the guy and then. The military guy goes like, you know, we're fighting a, a war, and like, yeah, uh, I find that insulting that you didn't insinuate. <laughs> and the guy, that guy was a dick. That military guy, uh, he was mind controlled. <laughs> Hold on, if it were going to cause that kind of violence, we would have basically seen everyone living in cities dead by now. Of course, that's not true. So those claims are just fanciful. And and just to go back to that chart, I, I was impressed by this, that if I, I had become convinced that crack was this special drug that really hooked people, but then what explains this? So what explains that is that lots of people try it, okay, and they realize it's either not that much fun, it's not that interesting, <laughs> or they have some concerns about negative side effects, and they stop. Oh, dude, I'm really stoned, but um, I have some concerns about the negative side <laughs> effects. <laughs> It was Gary Webb, by the way. Thank you, Chuck. Gary Webb, right, Gary right, Webb, right. Yeah. Most well, people who were a dope smoker and you stopped out of the blue. Yeah, I wasn't smoking crack, though. No, but, you know, I, there's, I, I don't believe everybody who's ever tried crack, not that I would ever recommend it to anyone, is a terrible it's product. It's baking soda. It's Coke and baking soda. Well, it goes into it, but it's ingested as kind of it's, it'll, it. It will give you a heart attack. That is kind of a problem there. It seems to me. Yeah, it might be. That's uh, uh, dude. That's one of the negative side effects. It's not for me, man. This, this crack is not working. We use all sorts of risky things in their teens and early twenties. Stop doing them for lots of things as they get older. Uh, Sean Hannity said the Dutch marijuana use after Holland legalized it. it won't stop. They've never legalized it. Incorrect. Ne- it's not legalized. Not legalized. It was 250% from 
84 to 92. I didn't catch his time period when he said that to me. But So his time period doesn't correspond to when they actually liberalized their policy. Their use rates have indeed gone up and down, but they're currently about half the use rates in the United States, even though they have virtual legalization and we have this draconian policy. So so, so I will agree with that, having grown now, up. He said virtual, virtual. legalization. Yeah, no, he, the Harvard guy is right there. Okay, well, it's liberalizer policy, virtual legalization is what it is. And I will say that uh, they've had the same policy for alcohol, which is also not that big of a problem. Uh, And you can still, to this day, as far as I know, walk into a bar when you're 15, you look like 16, you'll get a drink, there's no ID check, etc. It's not a big deal. And because it's not a big deal... It's not a big deal. It's like, so what? You know, we yeah, no. In fact, I remember there was a news uh, show because uh, Scandinavian and Nordic countries are fairly liberal with the, these kinds of rules and regulations. And there was a show I remember watching it on the news. It was some showing some kid. I guess his dad was like a drunk or some. Go out and get me another six pack. Yeah. And so this kid who's 12 years old, he's in Norway, Oslo or something, he goes into the grocery store, buys a six-pack, and brings it home to his dad. And it's like the American news media, what a scandal! Yeah. The kid's not drinking it. But you know what I always found was really smart in, uh, in Holland is, and that's still the same, it is very hard to obtain a driver's license. So you have to be 18, none of this 16 bull crap, and I don't think you're responsible enough when you're 16 anyway, um, but also you don't really need necessarily to drive because there's plenty of trains, um, but you, most people fail on their first, uh, their first attempt to get their driver's license. You have to take lessons, at least, I think it's, uh, most people take at least 20 hours, some 40 hours, some are on the, on the program for years, and it's very hard to get a driver's license. And I've always thought that was kind of a, an interesting counterbalance to the policy of, look, it's, uh, it's no big deal. It's just no big deal. And, uh, and, and the policy has been pretty much the same for heroin. Um, and they're just not, I mean, Holland, of course, is a total transport country, so they're transporting the shit everywhere. I mean, they don't want to blow up their own system. A lot of people making money off of it. But because it's not a big deal, I just don't think the problem's there. So I have to agree, if that's libertarian, then uh, I'm there. Yeah, it is. What's the What's the second clip? Oh, that was the end of the clip? No, we've got 30 seconds. doesn't support his claim at all. It's just the opposite. So even though Holland's this place where all the American tourists go because they can smoke marijuana... Uh, not- by the way, it's the British tourists that go there and get fucked up, not the Americans. Americans, too, but it's the Brits. They make weekend trips of it. Don't worry about the cops. Fewer Dutch people smoke than Americans. And in particular, Dutch youth don't smoke nearly as much as American youth seem to do. If it were legal... More people would try stuff, right? I suspect lots of people would occasionally try it or would be curious, but the vast majority wouldn't continue. If they really were curious, if they really cared, they would already be using it because it's easy to get if you have any serious interest. So why is this such... There you go. It ended. So is that the end? Yeah. Or I got cut off. No, that that was the end. Oh. So... um... You know, the, the thing that's really behind this whole drug war deal is the, is the, I used to work for the Air Pollution Control District, now it's the Air Quality Management, whatever. And uh, I went to, uh, I was at the University of California, and I, w- in the library doing some research, and I, w- I was going through some government documents, and I ran into the original uh, 
legislation for the establishment of the air pollution district, which was, if I, if I recall right, was done in 1955. This was, I think, right after that London fog incident in the 50s. Everybody was, got, got really concerned about air pollution, and so they, these things were cropping up everywhere. And it was very clear in the original law that the agency was to be created for a period, and I, I don't remember the exact number, but it had a limited life that was either 15 or 20 years, and then they were going to close it. So in other words, by 1975, uh, it should have been out of existence, but it, it not only stayed in existence, but got bigger and bigger and bigger, and now they're dealing with carbon dioxide and you know how can we you know stay in business doing this the dea once it was created you created a monster you can't get rid of it they're gonna they're gonna put up phony stats they're gonna do anything they can to stay in business cops like the overtime and the whole thing is a, is a fiasco yeah there was a lot of that um, i don't know if we if we should play all all what this second clip is really short 30 seconds is that some gem you've got here no the good clip is the last one that's long because it talks about the the thing that really bothers me, which are these SWAT teams. Yeah, let's play that. Apparently, those. we have 100 SWAT uh, raids a day in this country. SWAT teams were, you know, special weapons, weapons and tactics was set up for, you know, for anti-terrorist and real a- anti-energy guys. They should be blowing up guys making Browns gas. It was set up for a specific purpose, paramilitary operations. They cost a lot of money to maintain. And so now they have to find some rationale for staying in business when they should be, most of them should be dissolved. We don't need all these military, you know, you know, looking operations within police departments and these tanks and crazy things that Not they buy. Not just looking, they're trained. They're military trained. Yeah, they're military people. Well, they're trained as military. And then they're going around... Well, I'll play that, that clip, just that, that last clip. On the police search warrant! The police are about to break into a house in Columbia, Missouri. They believe there's a large supply of marijuana here. Inside, a couple is putting their seven-year-old son to bed. They kill one of the family dogs, injure the other. They didn't find that large supply of marijuana. They just found a little. So they levied a $300 fine and charged the father with child endangerment. They never apologized for killing the family dog. That was a good dog. They wouldn't even say, sorry. Every indicator to me shows that this was a justifiable shooting. Um, The dog was aggressive and the dog got shot. I was stunned to learn that SWAT team raids like that are not unusual anymore. They now happen every day in America. In fact, more than 100 occur every day. Radley Balco of Reason Magazine opened my eyes to that raid and to a raid on this man's home, Shai Calvo. Two years ago, cops burst into his home in Maryland and shot his two dogs. And this was because FedEx had delivered a package with marijuana? We actually uh, did that story when it happened. you remember that? 
Yeah, he, the guy, but the, I didn't realize. I, I don't remember the part that the guy was the mayor. Yeah, he was the mayor. Yeah, that was the crazy thing about it. Exactly. And the police, when they burst into our home, had done so little investigation. They didn't even know I was the mayor of the town. You were the mayor of the town. Uh, it, it wasn't your own police. It was. Right? It was a county SWAT team. But they, the errant SWAT team, burst in the door, rifles blazing. They shot our two dogs, Peyton and Chase, one from behind while he was running away, and. Um, they tore our house upside down in a four-hour nightmare. So this was a mistake. Well, it, when I, I remember distinctly as I kneeled there on the floor, bound my own living room floor at gunpoint, thinking it was a mistake. But as I looked into it further, I learned it's business as usual. They, to this day, say the guys did what they were supposed to do. Even though we were innocent, even though it made international headlines, it was an embarrassment for the county, they did it was the right thing to do. And, Radley, this has become business as usual in America. Stop it there. Yeah, I mean, the raid that we just saw. I'm sorry, did you just say stop it? Yeah, you can stop it. I mean, I think it's pretty, you know, obvious what's going on here. Uh, yeah, the, the, fe- the federal, the federal government. Nobody work on the topic. They, don't, they can't do enough to even, you know, check on this guy who's the mayor. They, 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 they obviously are careless. They don't need to be uh, careful because nobody cares. Nobody's responsible. Nobody gives a crap. And nobody's ever held accountable. And it's uh, the federal government who uh, are out of control. I mean, this is not states. This is not states. It's the federal. This is what this is what you see in California. And by the way, it was it was funny. Uh, the douchebag from, um, uh, like the the pro the the neo prohibitionist. He um, he said that there are more pot houses in Los Angeles, more pot uh, dispensaries in Los Angeles than there are Starbucks and McDonald's. I'm like, oh yeah, I'd like to see those stats, motherfucker. That is so not true. That is absolutely not true. And then the yeah, best, that, well, no, that guy lied through his teeth, yeah. which really bothers me. And in fact, that the DEA is lying about statistics, which is obvious. And this guy's lying through his teeth with the, with all kinds of assertions that were just off the wall. You know, the guy should be ashamed of himself. And this whole or this whole movement that, that's trying to stop. You know, what's what Stossel's talking about. You know, in California, of course, we have the marijuana initiative coming up, which will be hilarious because hopefully it'll pass, and then there'll be these court cases and the feds will come in and there's going to be all kinds of things going on um it's it's just it's just pathetic it's just a pathetic situation what i found uh, the best clip which we don't have a clip of unfortunately is when one of the audience members said hey listen uh, we had uh, alcohol prohibition in this yeah. country yeah. and uh, the, the, and that and the only way to do that was to amend the constitution that got overturned. How come there's no amendment to the Constitution for drugs? And, of course, the question was not answered. No, the guy refused to even address it. He went on and on with all kinds of statistics and how important it is. That was the same douchebag who yeah. lied about the Starbucks and McDonald's. And the fact of the matter is he couldn't answer. The thing is, it's a federal. That's why the state of California can pass this law, because the states do have the opportunity to do whatever they want. And if they if they have the guts to do it, because, you know, that we're trying we're seeing a, a solid movement in this country against states rights. You know, the fact of the matter is this country is set up so each state can do most of the you know legislative activity uh, for the for the people that live within its boundaries. But you have this concerted effort, especially by the left, to 
make a na- make a national government that you yeah. know that that that's over that that hangs over everything. That's why they have protests in California about Arizona and its laws. What does California have to do with it? Nothing. Nothing. So as we move into our second hour uh, for today's program, John, a uh, a quick uh, note about change.org. Have you uh, ever looked at this website? No. So I'm I'm not quite sure. Well, it it feels very Obama-esque, obviously. Uh it being named change.org. Uh Actually, I didn't do a who is on it. I should do that real quick. Uh it's set up by um there's a whole bunch you know, it's always tough to find out who's behind these things but you go to about us at change.org Ben Rattray is the founder Ooh, it does have an Obama look yeah he's the founder and CEO and there's Mark Demos that name sounds familiar uh, but there's no like real profiles of these guys and it's kind of it's oh this this is the limited pro- public profile for Mark he's the fucking CEO or the what is he uh, CTO Limited profile. Anyway, so it looks like a bunch of Silicon Valley Obama nuts, and uh, they ha- and so what this website does is it helps you set up petitions, which makes me f- feel like it's even more an Obama thing. And uh, and then these petitions, uh, I guess, are sent in. So here it is: this petition to fully fund NPR and PBS, better known as our national treasure. Targeting the U.S. Senate and U.S. House of Representatives sponsored by Credo Action. And I guess so you can make groups on this change.org. And uh, here's their pitch. The United States has one of the lowest funded public media systems in the developed world. The federal government allots only $1.43 per person each year to maintain the system. That much? <laughs> Compared to that's more th- only part of their budget. One do- over do- that you're talking about three hundred million dollars go- already going into PB. Is, it- is that what they're saying? That's what- more. They should take more. that away. More. It's like five hundred million. Well, they should. They should. They should stop it. That's a waste of money. Let them find their own. They're- they got sponsors. They got advertising. Why don't they just act like any other the broadcast? Pu- well, let me let me give you their pitch. The Public Broadcasting Act was passed over four decades ago. It led to the creation of the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, PBS and NPR, but today only 20% of the operation of public media is actually underwritten by the federal government through the CPB, forcing forcing media outlets to increasingly rely on corporate underwriters for support. Funny that. To make matters worse, the 20% of funds... Oh, well, come- by, well, by the way, you, you, let me ask you the question. Let's say they got more money from the government. Do you think that underwriting would go away? Nah, of course not. So here's the petition text, which you are then supposed to send to your representative. Dear representative, I urge you to fully fund NPR and PBS. Now more than ever, we need a vibrant public media. Corporate media fails to produce the truth-telling journalism we need to help citizens and politicians make decisions crucial to the safeguarding of our democracy. Sign your name here. And I'm like, wow, how can you actually, if you know anything about journalism, like Journalism 101, which I did take in my three months of college, you know that you cannot have a good journalistic media if it's funded by the government. It's it's like it's perpendicular to the whole concept, and here they are. Change, oh, let's change the world. Let's make it a better place. They have this page of uh, 
of writers. <laughs> did you look at the change.org team? No. Yeah, no, I did. No, I did. That's what I'm it's saying. It's got all but these you, photos. Yeah, but but you but there's no there's no uh, biographies, and the guy's no, chair is it you know chairman and CEO. So the guy's clearly you know it's it, is it for profit? Is it not for profit? Uh, let's see. Registered Ben Ratray. It's registered to Ben Ratray. Yeah, so he's the CEO. Change.org, seven hundred nine Douglas Street, San Francisco. And Jeffrey Westcott. So it doesn't really say much. He's got a Facebook page. <laughs> um, but, you know, to get the URL change.org, uh, change. yeah, change.org, I, I think that, you know, you probably have some ties. That's not just one it's just real easy to go out and get. No, that's not even close to being easy to get. That had to be locked down. And how are these guys funded? Well, that's the question, isn't it? Yeah, but I, I've looked Especially everywhere. with all those writers. Maybe I should get a job there. they got like a thousand writers. Well, they're hiring, John. What, what? are they writing? They're hiring. How many people do they need? Here, they're hiring. Oh, my gosh. Look at all this. Look at all these. Uh, oh, well, if you can do Ruby on Rails, uh, but they're hiring bloggers, uh, criminal justice editor, an education editor, a global poverty editor, health editor, human rights editor, race in America editor. Wow. Hmm. We could get a gig there. Anyway, I guess the, the whole point of bringing this up is... Uh, this is exactly how it's not supposed to work, and and I don't. And you're right. If they're getting five hundred million dollars, and if it's really about bringing good stories, do you really need that much money? Is that really necessary? Seems so. Now we've taken a little different stance on this program. Now, yeah, I'm, and we don't get the five hundred million dollars. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we don't. Um, but we do have a lot of people who support us, who understand what we're trying to do, uh, what we're attempting to do, and, and in some cases we're succeeding. And we are just, unfortunately, we don't really spend our time going out and investigating stories, not that we be any good at that necessarily, but the media is so broken that we spend all of our time punching holes in it so people understand that what's being shoveled up to them as news is not actually news. And a lot of that comes directly from... Our national treasure. Brought to you by the U.S. government. And, well, uh, it, yes? It, well, I'm going to say the government's, you know, basically got all the media locked down. They're just singing their tune. Hence the, uh, you know, stuff about legalizing uh, or decriminalizing drugs. You know, by the way, I think legalizing marijuana is one thing. Decriminalizing is another. And uh, I think legalizing marijuana makes sense. Decriminalizing the other stuff makes sense. Yeah, which is what Portugal did, and apparently it's working uh, pretty good for them. So a couple of people we want to mention. Ivan Neeson from Elwood, Victoria, Australia, gave us uh, 6969 um, and he's been on the $5 price. He's donated some for, he needs some karma for his iPhone game. Had you, had the, what he needs is a better name for his iPhone game. <laughs> I'll review it on the Big App Show. What is it? Hajuka Snake Master? Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put it on the Big App Show if it, if it doesn't suck. 
Hajuka no. Snake Master. Okay, I'll do an episode. Uh, Christopher Lind Hartson from Richland, Washington, 66.60. Uh, she's currently working for, or he, sorry, he's currently working for the census and could use some good karma. Pl- well, I don't know, you know, I, but it sounds like good karma right there. Yeah, it sounds, sounds like fun. you got a good good gig. Plus, can you call out at the real Canadian at, on the show? As, okay? as a douchebag, I guess? He doesn't say that, so I don't know what to call him well, out I'm not, not going to do that. No, no, I can't, I can't do specific. Yeah. Uh, Ed so Shav- may, mentioned his name, so he's going to, you know, now you know. Ed Shav is New York, New York, New York. Uh, 6610, he wants to do- donate two rocks on the dime. Sixes are rocks <laughs> in Japanese. And like, it's also a slang for crack. <laughs> yeah. Nice. True. Two rocks on the dime. Ten. Uh, we could up. We'd be up ten percent on our donations of all these. Who are sixty two rocks on the dime? He wants to be uh, no, not said, to be deduced. Not to. Okay, he doesn't want to be deduced. Okay, uh, he wants to make it in the name of his publishing company, Vertical Inc. We publish Japanese books, fiction, and business books in English. Vertical Inc. dot com. So don't make up. Don't may oh it's just about us bickering. Uh, James Lowry, Macquarie Park, New South Wales. Two nickels on the dime, no comments. Richard Perry, Berlin, Berlin. He's from Berlin. He's from oh no, he's from Berlin, Maryland. <laughs> Berlin, Berlin. You got all excited there for a moment. His name. My name is Rick. Not the Governor Perry. I've been listening for a couple of months now and finally can donate because I won't have a child care bill until the fall. I'm in need of a big de-douche. You've been de-douched. Got another one coming up. Nicholas Hughes, uh, Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. $55 even. I've been listening since about day one. I've never donated. I couldn't live with the shame anymore, he re- he says. So here's my donation. I've also subscribed. Please de-douche me. You've been the de-douched. De- the de-douche machine is working overtime today. Yes, it is. It's, uh, Podcast it's smoking. Peace 5150. Uh, John, uh, and then we have our knighthoods, uh, layaway guys, Petrucini and Hudson and uh, uh, Pierce and Corpy. And... Uh, Tim Humer from Pelzer, South Carolina. He wants a birthday shout-out to his sister and fellow producer Katie Humer, or it's pronounced Hammer. Sorry, H-U-E-M-M-E-R, it's pronounced Hammer. Uh, June 19th is her birthday, and she's turning the lucky 30. Yeah, we actually have two birthdays to do, so... Okay, so it's Tim Humor, and he is congratulating Katie Humor on her birthday. We don't need to mention age. We don't do that with the... Pronounced Hammer. Hammer. Tim Hammer for Katie Hammer. We won't mention her age. We don't do that with the dames on No Agenda. And James Wilson also celebrating his birthday. Happy birthday from your friends at the No Agenda Show. It's your birthday, yeah. Yeah, and actually, uh, today is actually James Wilson's birthday. Yes, it's amazing when these coincidences take place. <laughs> and let's see if there's any left here on the... Uh, Mel, uh, yeah, there's a uh, Mel Matsuoka from Honolulu, Hawaii. Uh, and you're supposed to... Oh, yeah, this is another project of mine. What I is that? Po- he'll, he'll give another 50 bucks if I post all my old board watch recipes. <laughs> board watch? Uh, 
Oh yeah, no. I was when I was writing for Boardwatch magazine, I would put these recipes. What was Boardwatch? Like a they, you looked at BBS systems or something? Yeah, yeah. That's how really? old this was. Oh my god! Ago. Oh wow! Well, the guy sold out for twenty five million bucks, and that was the end of it. So, uh, but yeah, I had these recipes, like the, the famous flank steak recipe that people rave about. But I have a whole bunch of them. You know, the thing is that I, there's a there's a little cache of them that I know I did. And I can't you can't find, find them. them. I, mm-hmm. But I, I have about 20 of them. They're probably on a memory stick somewhere. They didn't have memory st- sticks back. These were done in 1947. <laughs> so we appreciate all of the support well, we yeah, received. We, we, well, James Wilson, we mentioned him, but I think he had a comment. No, no, he didn't. We appreciate all of the support that uh, that you've given to the program this week. Uh, very important to us is to get on one of the monthly uh uh, support systems for us they are the real lifeline uh, and as they grow over time uh they actually by themselves will be able to really sustain the show uh particularly with some stuff i got coming up and um so that's yeah, we'd the- be still better off if the government was just giving oh, us yeah money. oh yeah i mean we could just take one uh, percent right we'd be very happy with one percent of what they're giving our national treasure oh sure i left one other guy out john Tirada in pasadena fifty dollars more, more food, food more talk, food talk says. right um, yeah. so you can sign up for uh, either the five dollar or we have a thirty dollar uh, subscription which is a very lucky one of course we have our night lay- layaways <laughs> the uh, three hundred and th- uh, well a layaway can be any what is it fifty dollars the the night layaway fifty dollars a month yeah and then we have the uh, the triple witching three hundred and thirty three dollars and thirty three cents uh, to get your knighthood in three uh, swift shots of donations and uh, we had a long conversation the other day john i think you now are really you have the whole house filled with signs that say complete the rings project <laughs> complete the rings how are we doing you you, you getting there because this is yeah one of those yeah things, I'm, right? a, I'm 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 70 percent to finish <laughs> okay i'm just gonna stay on you right i mean we agreed to this i'm gonna no, stay no, on we're you gonna for do this. it and this I'm, a big I'm deal. working it now in is fact it? let me go do some search on the internet for some something else i need <laughs> what, you, oh, no, I'm sorry. We're still doing you're a show. Gonna get lost. The show's over. You're going to get lost and you're going to be like looking at anime porn or something. That's probably what happens. <laughs> yeah, I think there's nothing the lamer in the world than anime, anime porn. porn, by the way, <laughs> in case you're wondering. Um, so a couple of like almost ministry of, oh, by the way, the address to go to is Dvorak.org slash NA or channel Dvorak.com if we're being filtered out. Uh, which might be the case in uh, in Ireland. We know the stream is getting filtered out, apparently. Dvorak.org slash NA. Your support is greatly appreciated. Anything over $200 gets you an executive producer credit uh, or an associate executive producer credit. And uh, and also, we're always looking for people out there to uh, to promote the show, get on to other mainstream programs, give them a, a hearty in the morning, and give the noagendashow.com URL. Uh, that stuff always helps as well. And we appreciate the support, as always. Uh, Ministry of Truth. A um, couple things, actually. Well, uh, if you want to put it off, we can do a little real news to liven things up, or I can do this at the end. No, let's do some real news. It's good. And now, back to real news. Well, something happened, and I was on the... Uh, I put the recorder on, and I, I dozed off. Because <laughs> it was, you know, C-span were you on crack? <laughs> yeah, it's because I was on. You had to go out and kill somebody, not doze off. 
So I woke up to a, a, a reality TV show that was the worst thing I've ever seen, and I have three clips I want to play. First of all, let's play clip number one. The show is called Pretty Wild, and it, it involves a girl oh. who apparently does nothing but cry Can for I just a half say something? an hour. Can I just say something? This show is taped in our street. No. Yes, this is in our street. This is the girl who was arrested as part of the Bling Gang who stole $3 million from um, from Hollywood celebrities like Paris Hilton and Justin Timberlake. They were a bunch of you know well-to-do uh, Los Angeles punks, douchebag kids, and they actually used Twitter and, uh, and other social networks to find out when these celebrities would be out of town, uh, would break into their homes. Yes, and they, and they stole you know, jewelry, but also like Paris Hilton's underwear, uh, and they were caught on CCTV camera. And this girl in particular, who still denies... But she, I think she copped a plea bargain, so she's going to go to jail for like 60 days. But she made a whole reality show out of it called Pretty Wild, and it is taped right up the street. It's disgusting. It, 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 I, it's so bad, like, I want to watch it, but I can't, and then I have to, and it's like, it's... Let's do, we just, do you need to set up for this first clip? Just play it. There's nothing to set up. <laughs> I want to tell him that I didn't do anything. And then I feel bad and that through all of this I think that I was meant to bring truth to this situation truth to all the people who lost their belongings and you probably feel so violated I know I would it's not fair the positive energy that comes from from good choices is really powerful. It's a hundred times more powerful That's than a negative right. thought. That's what they say in the secret. I just realized that, like, even if you are innocent, it's the people that you surround yourself with. Good. Okay. I'm glad you realized that. Good choices versus. So um, they've got this douchebag lawyer. Wait a minute. On the show. Wait, stop. <laughs> I know all about this show. <laughs> yeah, but what is the secret? What do you Positive mean? energy is ten times more powerful. Blah blah blah. <laughs> That's what they say in the secret. In the secret. I, this whole thing is what so. What is this fake. a cult? Yes. This mom is a complete She's creep. Horrible. She 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 should be locked up. She's exploiting these kids. And the and the funny thing is, they're renting this house, and they're only there when they shoot episodes. They don't actually live there. But when you watch the show, it's like, oh, we're at their house. But they're not. It's it's a rental up the street here. And oh really? Yeah, they just go in, and, and when you really look at the at the interior shots, you can see that they've got like temporary clothing racks and stuff. And you, once you really start to pay attention to it, you see it. But it's a rental; it's a rented house. It's one of these houses uh, that uh, you know is used by Vivid Entertainment. Normally, I'm reliably informed. Hubba hubba. Yeah, and so they just rent it out whenever they're going to shoot. And that's it. It's well, before you talk, talk about the the lawyer, which I could have some clips of him. Mm-hmm. But you might as well play pretty wild too, because at the end of it, they go to a commercial, and there was a, a kind of a crying, sobbing moment at the very end of the short clip that it ha- we have to cut out and use in all our our other clips. <laughs> okay. It's unbelievable. This is ruining my life. <laughs> it's a temporary situation. No, no, you this need to stop. This is gonna. We're, this too shall pass. You're gonna be able to do it another time in the future. But you know what? These are the consequences of hanging out with stupid people. That's so good. 
going to the show. I know. This is bull. We're going to support your sister. Please just leave me alone. I don't want to go. Don't tell me I'm going to go. It's going to be okay. No, just leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Let me see if I can uh, if I can mix it up here. Hold on a second. In the morning. <laughs> yeah. So this douchebag lawyer, who was the one who got her the reality show, because this is what it's all about. And you know, and it's it's she the kids on dep- on antidepressants. You know, they. I mean, it's all set up, right? It, there's uh, and it's a Ryan Seacrest production, I might add. Oh. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. He should be ashamed of himself, which brings me to the Bernie Goldberg clip that I have here where he does a rant. Who's Bernie Goldberg? Bernie Goldberg's a former ABC correspondent, very famous. If you saw his face, you say, oh, God, I've seen this guy a million times. He quit. He gave up on the mainstream media and went to work probably getting more money from Fox. It turns out he's a, you know, a right-wing character with a lot of opinions and he does these little segments on uh, the O'Reilly report once in a while and he's absolutely I think it's O'Reilly one of the one of those guys uh, he's absolutely fascinating because his opinions are based in old media and they and they come together and he's extremely uh, uh, irked by these reality TV people uh, the story to reality TV we don't now the father says he didn't sell it the production company is running away. We can't get to them. But there was apparatus. They were shooting it. They were this. They were that. So you got to feel that there was something in, in play here. But let's just put that aside for a moment. A lot of people are angry with these parents, number one. 16-year-old girl, unattended, 40-foot boat, trying to sail around the world. Child abuse? Child? What do you, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, you know, you can make that case. Uh, I, I think the problem with reality shows is that they cheapen the culture. In this particular case, Bill, nothing counts. What culture? <laughs> what, what culture? I agree with him. That, I think they cheapen the culture. The existence of these shows has cheapened the American culture, what little that we have. I was say, how much cheaper can it get? It, well, it, it, it is our culture. This is like... This is this is it's the same thing as why we eat McDonald's on a on the airplane, which is another disgusting part of our culture. Nothing matters. Not even a 16 year old girl getting in a relatively small boat to take a voyage around the world. It doesn't count unless it's on television and you can cash in on it. For some people, life itself doesn't count. Unless they're on television making money. The Kardashians come to mind on that one. Uh, But none of this, none of this comes close to the worst reality show in the history of television, which is still on right now. And that's the Maury Povich show. Every day, or almost every day, he has a stupid woman on who got pregnant by some stupid guy. And they do a paternity test. She says (laughs) he's the father. He says, no, my cousin's the father. It cheapens the culture, Maury Povich, because of this, is the, the most despicable human being, and I use that term loosely, ever to appear on television. He's worse than Springer? This is the kind of stuff... He makes Jerry Springer look like he's the host of Masterpiece Theater. <laughs> I mean, he makes Jerry Springer look decent... 
by comparison. Maury Povich is the, I hope he's watching or hears about this. Oh, he is the absolute it. worst piece of garbage in the history of television because that stuff cheapens the culture. People humiliate themselves so that they can get on television. It's despicable. All right. There are a couple of things in play here, but I do want to get back to Abby Sunderland for a moment because this is a girl who is brave. You have to be brave, who's resourceful. She gets all the way to the Indian Ocean by herself in a 40-foot boat. And, yeah, she is confident that she can do it. She almost died. I don't think people understand how close she came to leaving right. this planet. I mean, the boat fell apart, mass crashed, all her emergency equipment crashed, and she was lucky, lucky. Now, you know, let me just say, some, there's two. There's two topics here, John. One is reality television. I think we're probably going to agree on that. When it comes to the conversation about it being child abuse for this father uh, to allow push, no, whatever I'm it is, with, I'm actually with you on this. But the problem I have is that this is this idea because I guess this girl's a sailor obviously came about because a, a, a her, girl her, in Australia her, her, her dad's a uh, has a sailing shop and a camp and the whole it's a sailing family right but the, the girl in Australia came from a sailing family and she went around the world completed hers she's same age 16 so they obviously gave somebody the idea that well you know our daughter can do that maybe we make it into a TV show the other girl obviously didn't have a TV show but she got a lot of and Attention. The, but the thing is I've listened to interviews with both these girls yeah and the the Australian girl is sharp as a tack she is extremely bright and she's quick-witted and she's actually an amazing person to listen to and she jokes about the fact that now she can get her driver's license the other girl seems like a dimwit uh i have not seen either one of them interviewed but i do know that uh if you want to if, if if that is child abuse then how about uh, parents who put their 10 year old kids on horses uh, you know, hey, go ahead. Horses are the whole equestrian sport is dangerous. People get severely f injured. Uh, that, but you know, it's always like, oh, hero horse. It's an Olympic sport. Uh, you've got uh, uh, parents who put their kids in uh, in skelter races. You know, the precursor to yeah, the no, formula. I understand. Well, you know, I it's think crazy. That they back off on if you, the rest of the interview. I think they back off on the idea. I mean, that's just O'Reilly being, you know, provocative. No, but, the, but that's a big part of the conversation is, is people say, oh, it's child abuse child, just because of the reality show. I, and I, I, I think that's dubious whether it's, you know, it's like, oh, we'll do a reality show, go get some fame, kid. You know, I don't know, man. It's like, what are we worried about? You know, the Chinese farmers send their kids off to Foxconn to go work 18 hours a day when don't, we don't seem to have a national debate about that. You know, it's very common around the world for parents to send their kids off and go make some money. In fact, it used to be that way in the so-called civilized Western world. Yeah, you'd be working in a factory when you're 12. Yeah, yeah, shut up and go make some bricks. Carry some bricks, kid. That's, that's what it was. Or, or go out there and, you know, Thailand, you know, go prostitute. This happens all over the place. But the reality show format, and I'm a student of television, of course, and uh, the real world was, for all intents and purposes, the first um, reality-based show, which I consider to be a reality show. The Maury Povich show is is a real is in the reality genre. I would say Sally Jesse Raphael came before that, uh, and we used to share studios with her in New York. And boy, there were a lot of creeps coming through. But it is a human. It, 
our culture is to watch that. I, I see the most intelligent people watching this crap. I don't see any intelligent people watching it. I don't watch it. I, I've watched po I saw Povich once, and I thought the show was ridiculous. Uh, you're hyper-intelligent. Yeah, count. right. doesn't count. No, I'm talking about normal, intelligent people don't watch this crap. It's, it's for, it's for beer-swilling kind of people that would be on the show. I mean, one of the things I was told, which is about the, somebody who was uh, involved with the uh, uh, Springer show, is that they have a fee schedule. And everybody gets paid a sure. certain amount of money, sure, based on what they do. And in fact, it's, and it's like fifty bucks if you stand up. You get twenty five bucks if you make a threatening <laughs> you motion. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. you get like a hundred or fifty bucks or some amount of money for taking a shoe off and threatening somebody with it. <laughs> and it's the only show. If you haven't noticed, it's almost like a it's like code. It's the only show you've ever seen anyone take a shoe off, and they're always taking their shoes off on the show because they get paid an X amount of money for taking the shoe off. I, I didn't. I'm not that in depth into it. And apparently, you have watched the show. <laughs> I think I think the Jerry Springer show is hilarious. <laughs> I don't watch any of it. I, I, but it's I, I you really know I mean can't. I haven't watched it for a number of years and and, and I did get the get this guy says you sign a non disclosure like on all these reality shows, then you can't tell anybody about what's really going on behind the scenes. You can't you know so nobody ever comes out and they and the this guy told me he said. He says the main reason many of these people do these shows, they, they come out and humiliate themselves, is because they genuinely believe that they'll be discovered and yes. be put in a movie. Yes, that they'll become famous. Absolutely. That is the culture. That is the... Look, Paris Hilton. Now, she had some, some good uh, some money background to start with, but you know, how, did she, how did she become famous? I haven't forgotten. She started by a sex tape. And then we've got Perez Hilton who started his uh, celebrity blogger fame by naming himself in a manner that sounded like Paris Hilton, and it was very brilliant. This, it was, this, very good. This, this, whole, this whole culture is built on that. And then we've got the, um, uh, what's her name, uh, Kim Kardashian, and she's uh, with, the, with the basketball player, or is a football player. I think it's a football player. I don't know. Nah, who cares? You know, and it's uh, it's lifestyle. I can't watch that show at all. I you mean, know what? It's really... it's it's the extension of lifestyles. It's it's coming into lifestyles of the rich and famous, which a lot of people probably have never heard of before. But it used to be a a show that I think a lot of America. Why watched. am I shouting? I'm Robin Leach. All right, moving on to another topic. Robin uh, Leach was on a show recently, by the way. Yeah. He's chubbed out enormously. Oh, really? He was always kind of chubby. Yeah, but now it's, you know, more apparently. And, and, and in the reality format, let us not forget, rest in peace, um, Morton Downey Jr. Yeah. Remember him? You know, that was a confrontation. That was an interesting experiment that I think uh, a lot of people learned a lot from. It was very uh, compelling. Uh, it was confrontational. Apparently, of course, he was stoned on, on amphetamines. They got him all, you know, jacked up. Yeah. To go on there and uh, and scream at people. Yeah, well, he did. Before he didn't kill that, him. there was the Joe Pyle. No, I don't remember that show. Joe Pyle predates all these guys. He goes way back. Mm. And then there's Wally, that guy, the Wally, whatever his name is, show. <laughs> there's a bunch of these characters that've come and gone. They all make a lot of money. They sure make more than we do. Fuck yeah. So um, I've been noticing something kind of weird in Los Angeles now that I live here. Um, there, uh, there's these police officers who um, ride around a lot on segways. At first I thought it was like there was some kind of like traffic watch. Paul Blart, mall cop. <laughs> no, it's actually bid police. 
the bid police. Have What's you ever the, heard of this, the bid police? I never heard of the bid police. Exactly. So, um... I, 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 you ever seen, ever notice sometimes you can do on a daily basis, there's all these police agencies, like within one jurisdiction, there's the state cops, the, the feds, there's the, well, get this. the county, there's the city. Well, get this. So these bid police who uh, have guns and they, and they have badges and they have police uniforms and on the back of their, uh, uh, their uniform, it says bid police. So the word police is there, and then bid. And, I, and so yesterday we're driving back from the movies. It's and B-I-D. B-I-D. Has it got dots? Is it B dot? No, no, I no, 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 no. It should, it should have dots, but it doesn't. It just says bid. And, if, and I'm like, that must be some kind of like traffic thing or whatever. But, you know, they got guns, and, and they're riding around on hyped-up segways. I'm like, what is this? It is the Business Improvement District Police. And this is what? something, yes, and this is something very new. Uh, or a relatively new, I should say. Mall cops. Uh, no, well, if only it would have stated that, but they, um, they are not, uh, they are not actual police. They are rent-a-cops, um, set up, um, by the, in this case, the Los Angeles Business District, and it is their, uh, their mission, um... Officers are focused on the immediate response to major crimes, and these crimes. So their 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 um, entire mission is to assist in building relationships between local citizens and and the private security companies who deploy these bid police officers. <laughs> bid police. I know, but but they're not real cops. This is what bothers me. But they patrol the streets. And they interact with civilian slaves like they are the cops, and it's it's kind of frightening. Bid police, bid police. Yeah, they've got the bid patrol. Sir, move over. Yeah, bid police. Bid police. So they're mall cops, except they got guns. Well, mall cops have guns. They do. Yeah, a lot of them. Paul Blart didn't. Paul Paul Blart couldn't be trusted with a gun. So in the Hollywood Entertainment District, the bid patrol officers do more than... I mean, how can you be an officer? You're not an officer. I, 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 it's the misnomers that bother me. You're not police. You are not the police. You're just not. You're, you're a renta, renta dude. They provide more than just a presence. They become members of the community. As members, it's necessary for the officers to not only make arrests, but to also find alternative and permanent solutions to the problems in the area. For example, several quality of life issues in the Hollywood Entertainment District, this is Hollywood Boulevard, involve the homeless population. Homeless violators who experience frequent arrests can often create a revolving door effect rather than a lasting resolution to the problem. As a remedy, bid patrol officers have initiated close working relationships with several of the community's homeless outreach programs. When appropriate, officers provide direction and program referrals. Yeah. Hey, hey, homeless douche. Get out of here. Get away from that from that shop window. I'll arrest you. And they've also become involved with juvenile runaway shelters in order to direct juvenile citizens to organizations that will offer them help. Okay, uh, Adam, uh, you take the boys' shelter and I'll take the girls' shelter. I'm telling you. So I, I, I don't like it. It feels a bit scary to me. 
Then the New York no, Times. It's, it's disgusting. Then a Father's Day story. Uh, the New York Times uh, came out with uh, a baffling piece, uh, interestingly enough, in their fashion and style section, um, where there is a movement in our scholastic system. We're still waiting for your big report, John, on, uh, on schooling. Any minute. Yes. Uh, and the movement is to break up kids who have best friends. This is yeah, apparently this is blogged. Not... This, this, oh, you blogged blo- it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So the, yeah. So the story is that the scholastic system, I'm generalizing, uh, feels that uh, best friends is not a good idea and uh, they should be separated because uh, kids need to interact with each other. Now, since when did this become the school's responsibility? They, well, that's the big question. They want kids to be more group-oriented. They want them to be responsible to the group. It's a very socialist kind of a thing. Instead of having a friend that they can rely on, they, they should rely on the group, the, the group of people. And, uh, you know, it's collectivism. Give me a break. And it started with at some hinky-dink school uh, by this one woman who must be getting a lot of flack because this has been blogged by everybody. Um, uh, Christine Lacob, uh, she's the director of counseling at the Mary Institute and St. Louis Country Day School in St. Louis. We try to talk to kids and work with them to get them to have big groups of friends and not be so possessive about friends. Yeah. Parents sometimes say, Johnny needs that one special friend, she continued. We say he doesn't need a best friend. Yeah. It's baffling to me. It's not baffling to me. This is part of a movement to, to, to kind of destructure, uh, deconstruct the culture and get it so, so it thinks more in terms of like, you know, group benefits, collectivist. It does it, they, they, there's been a huge push against individualism in this country. And individualism, if an individual wants to have a best friend, it's his or her business. It's nobody else's. Nobody should be discouraging it or not or encouraging it. They should just let it be instead of, instead of butting in. <laughs> I can't wait for your big report on the scholastic system, John. That's a mess. It's going to be. <laughs> All right. And then uh... I got one thing. I, by the way, I want to re- play something at the end of the show at the after we're done, mm-hmm. which uh, and I want to recommend It's playing in the over the next week or two. Robert Klein, who is, uh, you know, is a funny comic. He had used to have shows, but he has apparently he's the one who was in the. If you remember the movie War of the Roses, <laughs> yes, yes, where the two uh, husband and wife just destroyed each yeah. other. I, I'm in that movie, by the yeah. way. <laughs> okay, uh, Robert Klein was actually. <coughs> it was modeled after the marriage between Robert Klein and Elaine Boozler. Oh, really? Who, I didn't. I didn't know that that was modeled after that. Oh, okay. And, and this, this was Mike, Michael Douglas and. Uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones? No. Um, no, no, no. It's some older yeah. actress. I can't remember. You, you, you'll remember. Anyway, it's a great movie. It's hilarious. But it's but Klein, who's a, some people I know have met, is apparently a, you know, not a, the nicest guy in the world. But I have to say, very very talented comic. But he, he's, he does a song uh, during his act called Medical Marijuana. I want to play it, and people should go see the HBO um, special. He was the first guy to do an HBO special. Right. Curiously. And uh, <clears throat> it's, it's, a, it's quite amusing. Okay, so we'll play that uh, right after uh, the closing credits of the show. And I only have one other clip that's worth listening to. 
besides, besides the Who Are You clip, uh, which is just a piece well, of let it. Let me play that. Do you fully support the Obama agenda? Who are you? Who are you? Oh, yeah. Whoa. Who are you? I'm here for a project, sir. Tell me who you are. Were you serious? Yeah, that was the, is that the congressman? Yeah. Yeah, so drunk. The, yeah, I don't know if he was drunk or not. Oh, but, he was. He had to be plastered. But he grabs these kids, these so-called college kids, which I don't know if they were or not. Yeah, but be. he grabs them. He's holding on to them by his, the scruff of the neck. You know, who are you? Shut up, slave! It was like the the most elitist. It's it's an uncomfortable thing to watch. It doesn't really work in audio, but when you see the video, it's just like, oh my god! Very, you know, very bad. Yeah. Oh wow! It's like, shut up, who slave! Who are you? Who are you? Shut up, kid! And the kid's like, <laughs> we're college students. The project is a project. It's a college project, which I doubt, by the no, way. No, I think it was a, a, phone, a phonied up too. Yeah, I agree with that. But it's still, I don't think they expected it to work so well. No, <laughs> it was like jackpot. <laughs> totally Perfect. what a jackpot that was for sure anyway i but i do have something you know people always wonder but you know one of the complaints i have about uh tech reporting uh is that there's no uh critical thinking there's no uh, honesty uh and it's and much of what passes for journalism is boosterism and i'm so i'm flipping around i caught the g4 uh i think it was attack of the show or one of these things on the g4 and i and i took this little clip uh which is a guy who's reviewing a non-released product kind of with the guy who wrote the product i guess and he's so giddy and so boosterish over the whole thing that i found it actually disgusting they're varied, you know, from classic dungeons. You know, we try to present ourselves as a dungeon crawl. There's lots of dungeons, but outdoor areas like you're seeing in this demo and and uh, wilderness areas and towns as well. Well, sure, the engine can render them beautifully, and clearly you guys are taking yep. advantage of it. The game looks incredible. Very excited. Hunted the Demon's Forge. When do we get to play it? When do I get it? When do I convince my friends to buy it? We're uh, we're shipping uh, first quarter next year. Sounds good. Thank you so much for First quarter next year, yeah, it's when awesome. Do I convince my friends to buy it. The thing isn't going to be out for almost a year. He doesn't know what the game is any good or not. What do you mean, convince his friends to buy it? I, I'm going to predict that uh, somewhere in the next 18 months, there will come an expose revealing the incredible scam that is rampant throughout the tech industry, the tech reporting industry, and dare I say it. Um, the online advertising industry. Uh, I saw that Facebook, uh, there was a report, and of course it's still a private company. The report is that they had revenues, um, their last annual revenues were estimated between $800 million and a billion dollars. Now, John, I don't know how that works. It cannot be from people clicking on banners. I just don't think it works. I just, I don't believe it. It's horseshit. And who clicks on banners? Do your kids click on banners? Mine doesn't. Do you click on banners? I haven't clicked on a banner for two and a half years. And on Facebook? No. Who's clicking on these banners? And $800 million? I mean, is that is is that just from the display of banners? Yeah, if you click on a banner, it's worth probably like a dime, maybe a nickel. Penny clicks, man. Penny clicks. That that's what that's what it's down to. So where is this revenue coming from? Where where are, where are these clicks coming from? The only thing I can imagine is that people are 
sitting there clicking on something or watching a video because it'll get them some virtual broccoli for their Farmville, which is the, the which is what I think this whole uh, what's that Zynga is that the yeah. name of the company? I think that's how that's that's how it works. Is you know you you want a broccoli. Which is just the most ridiculous thing. You want some broccoli? Then you got to click on this banner before you, or watch this video, this ad before you can get it. That can't be a sustainable model. It just it do- doesn't make any sense. And and I think we're going to get some huge exposés because it. You listen to this clip, and the tech industry is rampant. It, you know, I've seen drawings of people explaining exactly how the tech... Oh, it used to be so great. The executive would talk to the PR company. PR company would pitch the uh, the tech journalist. The tech journalist would write a story, and everything was beautiful. Everything flowed perfectly. Well, yeah, but that's that's PR. That has nothing to do with actual, you know, like, real journalism. It, it, it doesn't exist as far as I'm concerned. It's pretty scant. Present company excluded. And 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 you actually report. Uh, I feel honestly on stuff. Yeah, I've known you. You you don't you don't uh, sign uh, NDAs. You don't uh, you know. I don't get invited to much. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, you're you're bane. You're the shunned. Who's is? I don't care. You're shunned. I'm shunned. Yeah, you know. And then you know, but you're also not wildly rich from it because you're not part of the game. Uh, which reminds me, we. Um, we didn't talk about the oil cabal, and of course, uh, even though it is the hottest news story of the moment, I did want to mention their PR company, uh, the PR company for BP. You know, we love uh, the PR companies, and uh, there's a little clip. Uh, the PR company is called Brunswick, and they are the global PR company for BP. And I want you to listen, because it all of a sudden becomes clear how these guys operate and how important public relations really is. Um, I think it's the, sec- it's the woman who you really want to listen to. First, uh, the chairman comes on of this. Uh, what I think is always very valuable for clients about the type of business that we've tried to grow and to build is, a, is, a, is, is that we've brought into the firm uh, people who are passionate about communications. That's something we all share. But they come from many different walks of life. We are lucky enough to have in Brunswick people who have been top lawyers, people who have been top-rated analysts, people who have been top uh, journalists, whether that be print or broadcast, uh, people who have been top communications professionals within companies, uh, people who have been top of their game in the regulatory world or the public affairs world. And we bring that all into as powerful a mix we can for our clients and the issues they face. It's like, okay, <laughs> so you leave public service uh, as a regulator or you leave your broadcast journalism job and you go work for the PR company and then you essentially bribe your buddies into shilling for BP. It's Pretty a, much. It's a perfect system. It, it's yeah. beautiful. It's stunningly beautiful. And people have no idea how this works. I mean, for, forget lobbyist groups. Who gives a crap about lobbyists? That's a joke. It's these guys that have the real power. They look like a thousand people around the world. That's because they they uh, because they essentially do the footwork, and a lot of the uh, uh, you know for, if like if I want a uh, uh, to do a story on something, I can ask. I can get a hold of the right PR people. And I can have them provide me with all kinds of stuff that I could. It would take me weeks to develop. They'll do it, and in hopes that they get you know positive. Uh, 
play for their client who is related to something going on in the story. I had to. I do have a uh, a funny story about this, uh, to, which is another thing that never endeared me much to the, a lot of the PR people. Although I, I, I'm good friends with many of them, but the uh, well, usually the women are kind of hot. They always all throw, of, most of the women are, are fairly attractive, yeah, and they throw good dinners. Well, they like that. That's one thing I get invited to a lot of dinners because they know that I won't put up with a cheap meal. <laughs> so I get invited to more dinners. Like, hey, than man, any. if you want Dvorak to blog about it, then you just got to feed him right. That's how you do it, man. Come on. So uh, mainly because the PR women get to go out to have a good di- dinner. I mean, it's, it's, it's a perfect world. Yeah. So uh, when I was the editor of InfoWorld, I used to uh, play this very uh, interesting. Uh, we had a we could never stabilize the size of the of the uh, of the publication. It came out every every week, and it was thin, and it was really huge, and then it was medium. You know, it, so there was a there's so much fluctuation in the in the page count that I had to have a a pile of stories ready to roll. And I wish I kept in a huge pile under my desk in a stack. And so we say, oh, my God, we got 50 pages to fill. I'd pull a bunch of these things out and throw them over to copy it. And they'd think <laughs> I was a genius. But many of these stories I had developed by public relations companies. What I would do is the following. And this is a good tip for anybody who wants to be an editor and, you know, in, this, in, a, in an awkward situation. Although, it, you know, at some, it's, I don't think you can do this forever because at some point they're going to figure it out. But I would call, like, every time a public relations person would call me, I would uh, tell them, to, oh, you're doing, what, what are your clients? Oh, oh, you get the hard disk company. Oh, you, can you, you know, I need a, like a 2,500-word article on the history of hard disks and how they came about and who the leaders are and what the best companies are. And then they would write this piece for me and with a byline of whoever wrote it. I don't, I give them credit. And uh, and then I would go in and edit it to take out all the references to their client. <laughs> right. All of course. Of, of course. And so because I didn't want the thing to be a shill piece. So I, and that was really good when you took out all that crap, by the way. It was well written. So I threw it in. And then, of course, you'd get a call when it ran a couple of days later. How come, uh, how come you didn't mention our, uh, our I, client? My company wasn't mentioned. And then I would profusely apologize. Uh, by the way, I used to do a lot of this on speakerphone with the staff in the room. So they'd get a, they could watch this and watch me at work. I would profusely apologize and and say, "What can I do to make it up to you? Can you give me an article on on?" And I'd, I'd request another article, <laughs> and just and you'd cut out all the all the yeah. client stuff again. Yeah, I could do that Beautiful. three or four times in a row with anybody. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, but I'd say a good eighty seventy five percent of our news is PR pieces. Oh yeah, it's all PR pieces, or planted, or or controlled by public relations agencies. We're toast. So no th- public relations agencies ever been involved in one word of this show. Correct. Um, this article, though, a nationwide alert, John. I'm surprised that we didn't do this at the top of the show. The alert has gone out, and uh, uh, I'm I'm even more surprised that my iPhone didn't give me a push notification alert. Seventeen members of the Afghan military who are being trained at an Air Force base in Texas to become pilots, have gone AWOL. Really? The Afghan officers who are enlisted men have security badges that give them access to secure U.S. defense installations. According to the Lookout Bulletin, Afghan military deserters in continental U.S., written by the Naval Criminal Investigative Service in Dallas. Hmm. The Bolo Bulletin which stands for Be on the Lookout, (laughs) Bolo, 
was distributed to local and federal law enforcement officials Wednesday night. The Afghans were attending the Defense Language Institute at Lackland Air Force Base in Texas. The DLI program teaches English to military pilot candidates and other Air Force prospects from foreign countries allied with the United States. They went AWOL. They're missing. They can't find them. And they're pilots. Nope. Bad, the bad things can Very happen. Very bad things can happen. This is what I would call the, f- the false flag waving is what this is. Uh, oh, we even have the names and pictures of them. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I'm sure they're very identifiable. Uh, no pictures, actually. Jesus, one of them's from born in 1987. Give me a break. Hmm. So, uh, just so you know, bad things All can right. happen. And then I'll, uh, keep, I'll keep a lookout. And then it looks like uh, it looks like we're going to go to war with Iran. I don't think so. Well, I have three articles. You know, I made a bet with somebody about this, by the way, for last year going to a war with Iran. It was, I think it was 100 bucks. It was somebody who might be listening to this show, and I never got paid. I'll make a bet with you. I'll make a bet that uh, between August and the end of the year, uh, there will be an attack on Iran. Not by the United States of America. Uh, yes, by the United States of America. No. no will, you, will you take the bet? By the end of this year? Yes. Be, yes. By the end of this year. Of, well, let me think about how to. How, we'll talk about it on the next show. I want to stage the bet so it, so it has so it has proscriptions. I don't want it just an open. You know, some guy goes in there with one lone gunman goes in with a gun and starts firing away. I don't want to consider that. No, an no, attack. no, 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 no. I'll well, think. Of, let me think about how to do the bet. I'll give you an edge. Okay, I'll give you an edge. With this report, an armada of eleven U.S. warships and one Israeli vessel passed through the Suez Canal Friday. Um, from the uh, the fleet, the first of its composition to navigate the Suez Canal is led by the USS Harry Truman Carrier and its strike group of 60 fighter bombers and 6,000 seamen and marines. Uh, I would say that's a pretty good sign something is afoot. We'll talk about it on Thursday. I'll look into this. I don't think that uh, there just could be, uh, you know, a saber rattling. Well, the saber rattling comes from different places. Uh, Agent France Press, U.S. intelligence has shown Iran could launch an attack against Europe with scores or hundreds of oh, missiles. Yeah, I, yeah, what a crock. Yeah, well, but that's, they sa- had that's saber rattling. They last missile launch. <laughs> I know it. It's, it's all saber rattling, but to send uh, the Harry Truman? I don't know, man. Uh, that, to me, sounds like something is, uh, is a coming. And then the funniest thing ever, this, this just cracked me up. One of our producers sent this to me. Politico is, uh, now, now how would you categorize Politico? Politico is a, uh, a kind of a, a, a Washington, D.C.-centric uh, uh, insider tip sheet for people who are involved with politics mostly. So they have a video series. It's branded as a political video series, Reforming Wall Street. Now, I'm going to send you this link. I don't want, it's too funny. Hold on. I'm going to send this to you in Skype. I'll also post it into the chat room so people can read along and laugh. All right. Did you get the link? No. You sent me the link on the Adam Curry thing. Now you're sending it on the other one? Yeah, I always send it. That's, that's my... No, the last one you sent me, the, the last link. Oh, here it is. It's on the Adam Curry. There it is. I don't know why it took so long. Now look at uh, it's Skype, man. P- 
Now you now tell me what you see that is very funny. Besides Barney Frank? Yeah, look above that. Reforming Wall Street, a Politico video series. Now have your eyes move to the right. Sponsored by Citibank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it's got Citibank over here. Citibank. There's three the whole Citibank page is logos. Citibank. <laughs> Citibank, Citibank, Citibank. <laughs> Do you think yeah, these... there's no, there's no uh, conflict of interest there? None whatsoever. <laughs> I love it. I thought it was that was just hilarious. Sounds uh, like a time to invest in Citibank. Yeah. Meanwhile, under the radar, um, Bloomberg is reporting that uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, which John, you and I own eighty percent of at this point, uh, is going to need a bailout. And the estimates are. Did they already get one? Oh yeah. No, no. It's going to need another bailout. What uh, they do with the other money? They ate it. Hmm. Please. Uh, they estimate up to $1 trillion. Bloomberg Why is... Why don't you just give it to the public so we can pay these mortgages or get more loans? I mean, this is bogus. Of course it's bogus. It's it's another hijack, and it's not even being talked about. Bloomberg, luckily, is on it. Um, and they're saying... They're, Bloomberg's estimate is five to $600 million. But uh, it could be as high as uh, as a trillion dollars according to uh, Egan Jones Ratings Company in Pennsylvania. But you're right. It's, it, it's atrocious. It just, and it just, it's, just, it's just bailing out banks more for the, for the rich elites. That's, that's the thing that is so sad. Hmm. So, All right. Well, I'm going to look into change.org in the meantime. Yeah, let's see. If we, maybe uh, one of our producers knows a little bit more about them. But even just to get that website address, I'd say is uh, is uh, is quite a coup for a, a little company. And I don't even think they're necessarily a nonprofit. They have some nonprofit work. And more companies coming out with bracelets. That uh, that's the business we should be in. Yeah, yeah. No, there's something coming because there's a, another company now. Uh, that actually has a monthly subscription, so it sends off your data to the database. <laughs> and uh, and this will be a part of the Codex and the obesity and and the Scram bracelets. Is don't drink, don't smoke, eat healthy, exercise, be a good human resource, slave. All right, on the next show, we're going to talk about genetically engineered insects. Nice. That will be on Thursday. All right, have a uh, happy Father's Day, everybody out there, to whom that applies. Coming to you from the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center in Gitmo Nation West, where June gloom seems to be over early. I'm Adam Curry. And it's sunny here, too, in northern Silicon Valley. And... Uh Although there's not a lot of trains today, I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you again on Thursday for early morning service right here on No Agenda. I ever had